<laughs> the this call is the why drunk editing and the ugly. is hard. Good enough. Drunk and ugly, good enough, yes. Hello, Internet. This is the, I don't know, the longer form of the video you saw where we were uh, rapidly explaining everything that we did in Gen Con before we got kicked out of our hotel room. Yeah. Well, the hotel room well, and also the recording. Now I'm going to rapidly uh, do, do a wrap up here before I get kicked out of my house. Woo. Yeah, but now you have twice as many minutes. <laughs> I'll talk half as fast. Yeah. I, I think more more than the rushing, it's uh, the, you know, we've been there for 96 hours on like 20 yeah, hours of sleep. We've had two weeks to think about the things that we did <laughs> and repent for our ways. And forget everything that happened. I've never repented for anything. All right, so yes, this is the longer form wrap-up that has more stories and less. Uh, it, we, if you want the summary, go to our YouTube channel where we also have our special $5 challenge um, for less Vote than for the me. price of a KFC Phillip box. We bought games. You don't need votes, Max. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, no, vote for Franklin. Yeah, I'm, I'm, vote for I'm Franklin getting something sexy next year. <laughs> There's one vote for Will Wheaton. Guess who it is? <laughs> it's Will Wheaton. It's Will Wheaton. That would be sick. Will Wheaton, human fuck machine. Wow. The Wesley Crusher. Starfleet's greatest love machine. It's a matter of public record. We said it. It's on the record now. <laughs> but yeah, so I just want to go through member by member and uh, just talk about any like memorable experiences or like cool games you played or things you bought. Um... One of those can be all three, I guess. Some of those can be all three. Uh, and since we have a time constraint for uh, James and Kevin, uh, one of James, Kevin, and Susan, I guess one of you can go first. Uh, I'm going to... Yeah, James, it's you. Yeah. Um, well, I spend a lot of my time with obligations with uh, John Wick Presents, the people that make 7C, to uh, to run their, their games. So uh, I, I played three games that varied from find a good but i played one game that was the sort of game that sort of reminds you why you're a gm you know just like everyone was into it everyone was like really getting the the rules the feel everything like that everyone had a great time uh beyond that it was mostly just uh sleepwalking around the convention center and um let's see Su and, sp and sprinting at one point because susan lost her phone and we got it back in a strange way that i'll let her talk about yeah uh, do you want to do you want to elaborate further on the John Wick experience? Um, TM. <laughs> sure. Um, I was given a um, a canned adventure to run that I ended up modifying just a little bit. Yeah, I was there when you received it, so you had like what four hours to prepare it before you ran it. Oh no, I had it online way before I had it uh, in ah, paper okay. copy. But that was when I really started studying it. <laughs> Did you ever solve the Bear Trooper problem? That was not my problem to solve. That was a different canned adventure. <laughs> uh, to by the way, um, one of Kevin's friends from college also got into the uh, the John Wick GM God, program. I remember this. And one of their adventures starts with them paragliding into an enemy base. So cool in meteor rest sequence. But the problem is, one of the characters has a pet bear. <laughs> so <laughs> I had GMs asking me questions about how to deal with this. <laughs> I think the, the solution in the spirit of 7C is obvious. The bear has its own glider. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> it's a very well-trained bear. It's smarter than your average bear. For some reason, every time I told him that, he went to ask someone else what to do. 
I had Doug Ask and other GMs running the same uh, adventure, and the go-to advice, me and Monty, the other guy that we're hosting and sort of running things, was make the player explain it. Don't put this work on yourself. If they can't explain it good, then the bear's a spirit bear that just is there in spirit. Otherwise, make them figure it out. Ghost bear. (laughs) It's a tunneling bear. Here he is. <laughs> I shift my bear in ahead of time. We're gonna go out to pick up the crate. <laughs> He's been living there for six months. <laughs> and here's how the heist was pulled off. But anyway, uh, the adventure. We hit the itself, bear inside a large wooden horse. <laughs> the adventure itself would take a while to talk about. It probably wouldn't be all that interesting to people who didn't actually play it. But I did. Okay. I did get to refer to a group of people as Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, we picked up a board game called Alchemists, which turned out to be really cool. There's only 25 in the consignment shop, which was surprising given how good the game was. It's yeah, that game's 50, like, standard. It's, it's a, You're basically playing an alchemist grad school professor trying to figure out what different ingredients are, and it's sort of like competitive Sudoku. Uh, I don't know if it's so much Sudoku. It, it reminds me more of, like, the logic puzzles that you'll get, like... Yeah, I mean, like... You know, there are five people. Bill, Bob, Jim, and uh, there are five barnyard animals they love, and uh, Jim doesn't like sheep, and... Uh, I I was not aware of this formulation of the classic Jim word says Bob is, is definitely <laughs> okay with horses, but not specifically favorite. What do they do with the barnyard animals they love? <laughs> they take care of them and uh, produce animal products for people in town. I see. Yeah, James. I think the one I had in like third grade was like, here are five children. Here are the Christmas presents. Who got what? Right. So basically, yeah. when, whenever you get information about um, a pair of ingredients, you can mark stuff off. And that might let you mark stuff off for other ingredients. And it's a cool little logic puzzle that you're making during a worker placement game. Right, yeah. I remember seeing there's the matrix of, like, the the six things that you can place theories on as you go to conferences or something. Right, you can go to conferences and publish theories about what ingredients <laughs> is what. This is wizard grad school, publish or perish. But you can <laughs> secretly hedge your bets against parts of that theory, so if it gets debunked, you don't lose any reputation. <laughs> well, sure, that, that's like part two of uh, writing a scientific thesis, right? you include the things why this thesis may be pointless yeah because I, I i said i said you can't you can't you can't i said we can't be sure about the blue ions <laughs> if i say everything is possibly wrong i will never be wrong <laughs> and we also picked up the uh expansion which i'm excited to try even though it's complicated as shit oh yeah the king's gold oh god there's an expansion <laughs> there's like there's a box that has like four expansions in it you guys, have you guys even tried the advanced debunking rules? No. <laughs> That's in the main box? Yeah. We haven't even done all the complicated shit in the main box, but it means that there's a very high skill ceiling, so that's cool. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of replay value. Yeah. Um, we might try to... That's on tabletop sim, so we might try it eventually. Yeah. And it's by Check Games Edition that makes generally good games. Yeah. it's a, yeah. So I've, I've added that to my wish list on Amazon because it looked really interesting. Yeah. I like it. It was good, and it's fun that James is talking about this, considering I'm the one who bought it. Yeah, well, we both played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. What what, what else did I do? Um, I, I went up to the uh, Rio Grande Games booth and beat some of my friends at Temporum. What is Temporum? Uh, Temporum is um, it's a fairly old game that um, basically you have a matrix of potential timelines, and 
the earlier you are in the timeline, you can change the course of history after you to get benefits. I condemn you to the age of cats. Yes, uh, one of the final ages, the future age, can be the age of cats, and you can send people there. <laughs> if they're already in a different age four place, you can just send them over there. Yeah, no, this is the real timeline now. God damn it, I hate the cat world. <laughs> Change it back. <laughs> no. Fine, I'm going back to Greek times. Let's see, and then I just sort of walked around getting covered in other people's sweat in the dealer's hall. Ew. Oh, oh yeah, and then there was the Cinnabon guy. <laughs> is there any more to that story, or no. is it just that? No, I wish it's... there was more to that story. There was just a man who got offended that I said Cinnabon and told me it was pronounced Cinnabon from outside the conversation. <laughs> you, you found the Alpha Min Max or Rules Lawyer? There has to be hundreds of them in there. of Grognar. Oh, and we talked to an interesting guy about uh, a system called the Dark Eye, which is apparently basically Germany's D&D. Yeah, apparently uh, literally, because they wouldn't uh, localize it back then, so Dark Eye was started up in competition. Yeah, we, pi- we picked up a copy as a group, um, uh, as the, the home group, and... Um, I'll find out from the person who picked it up how it is. It looks a little bit uh, mechanics-heavy, but it seems solid. One thing that was really cool when I was looking through, uh, there are house rules in the text itself, and then actually there's a checklist at the end for which house rules you want to use Huh. for each of the uh, sub-bars uh, with uh, house rules in them. Do you get point deductions for them? <laughs> No, it's just like, as a group, we are using this house rule, this house rule, this house rule, and this one. Oh, so anyone who picks up the book can look in the back and see uh, what rules you're using? Yeah, you can immediately look up with references uh, okay. what house rules are active. That's kind of neat. Does it have a blank section? Uh, I mean, you could just not check any of the house rule variations. No, I mean, does it have a section to write in your own house rules? Oh, I that's I, what I a house rule is. I don't remember uh, on that sheet. You can just do that. That's what house rules are. Yeah. Really, we talked. the guy we talked to about it seemed pretty interesting. Um, he's way into the costuming scene, and he is sort of, um, sort of a hobbyist networker. He knows a lot of people, and he takes a personal joy in connecting them together. So he's like a matchmaker, but for friends? Yeah. Or for people he likes seeing the work of. Okay. Sure. That's how you, uh, he's a crossover enthusiast. Yeah. Let's see. When you said hobbyist networker, I'm like, so he's a guy that just has a lot of friends? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a side effect of it, yeah. Um, we we wish, I wish we could talk about doing the puzzle hunt, but there was not a puzzle hunt this year. We think. Yeah, I, was, I was wondering why you guys weren't doing it. Because there isn't Every one. other year we've gone. Yeah, the puzzle, puzzle hunt's a lot of fun. Unless there was a puzzle hunt and we couldn't find it. There wasn't. It was announced uh, back in like... November, December, that they weren't going to be doing it this year. Yeah, but if you read every third letter in their uh, in their post about it, <laughs> it says get bent. <laughs> <laughs> nah, Lone Shark Games is working on other projects. Apparently, they're, I mean, that's they're fair. the people who usually run it. Um, I want to say that's about it for me. Like a lot of time was picked up on the Seven C thing. So, yeah, how many hours did you spend there? Oh boy, uh, about three hours per game, so about 12 hours total. Oh, not too bad. Yeah, not too bad to get your badge paid for. All right, uh, so going down to uh, Kevin or Susan, who uh, one of you want to go next? I will to continue the John Wick train. All right, 
Toot toot. Well, the big thing with John Wick for me this year was I didn't have to know shit about Seventh Sea to actually do my job. Uh, I was the person who sat at the front table by the doors and was like, hello, let me actually tell you a little bit about this game. But no, I don't know if I have open spaces for you. And don't give me that look when I can't promise you an open space with a generic ticket. Because we are short on GMs and making things stretch as is. That said, I never had to say no to anyone who came and was like, sorry, we don't have any spots. And that was pretty fun. Well, there was that one person that said no to you. Well, yes, but I'll go into that in a minute. Um, <laughs> generally, my job was to sit there, look pretty out in the hall, answer questions. And then the last 20 or the 20 minutes before our new shift started and about 20 minutes after was my like crazy moment where GMs are either coming or going. People for games show up early for their games, which I appreciate. I love it when people show up early for things. It just means sometimes I have to be like, sorry, you just have to chill in the hall. Mm -hmm. And they're like, you don't have a table for me to sit at? Like, no, I'm sorry. I might. Did they really get that shitty with you? No. um, I had one lady sniff because her daughter didn't have somewhere to sit. And the daughter's like 16 and is just like, mom, please. I can stand. You're passing Um, me in front of John Wick. Um, I'll go into that. I did have to hang out with John Wick and shoot with him for a while. But like my main job was once we got everybody in the seats, collect the tickets, make sure the GMs had water and lozenges, and then sort of hover around if anyone had any issues. No one had any issues once games were started. It was pretty easy. Um, So on the first day, I only worked Thursday and Saturday. So I had my free days on Sunday and Friday, which was quite nice. Uh, Thursday, because again, I mentioned we were low on GMs, John Wick came into play during the middle shift, 2 to 6 p.m., and it was great, except that I'm not going to tell the creator of this game system that he has to run this canned adventure that his people wrote, because he created the game, and by all means, am I not going to argue with him? So that led to my first of two issues, and I only had one issue each day. Uh, basically, we had a lot of, well, like, two to three sometimes that only had one GM. So people had to be sort of spread out amongst the other adventures. And this one guy came in, and all of John's table was filled, and all the other table for his adventure was filled. And I was like, hey, so, here's the deal. And he was upset Because he wanted to do that specific adventure. Not, as many people would have been, but I want to play with John Wick. John Wick's a great GM. He's fun to play with. He's very loud. It's something I had to warn other GMs of because sometimes he yells and he scares people. It's an issue. But his biggest bitch fit was like, no, I want to do this adventure. It's what I paid for. I'm like, well, I have these five other adventures that you can do. And the first one I offered him, he was like, no, I'm doing that tomorrow. Do you have anything else for me? And I was like, um, yes. Here's this one that deals with sexy vidachan intrigue and demons and blood. Will that suffice? Yes. And then he sat down and everything was fine. That was, that was, that was his entire thing. Like, cause when I, when I went to explain the situation to multiple people, including like Kevin, he was like, oh, he must want to play the game with John. And I'd be like, that would be totally reasonable. Yeah, I could see getting pissy there. But that's not what his hissy fit was about. This was a, um, I'm assuming this was a white male, ages 25 to 40. 
sporty, but not white. Oh, huh. Because that sounded like a very peak white male attitude. Oh, it was. It was. But he was decidedly East Asian. Um, That Mm -hmm. said, fast forward to Saturday. Everything's going great until... Here's how the situation went for the adventures. So for each adventure, there were 10 tickets available. And each of, and five tickets would go to one table, five tickets would go to another table. That way they had two GMs running each adventure. Well, this one family saw these 10 tickets and thought it was one GM and 10 people. Which would be a nightmare. Be an utter nightmare. It wouldn't be fun for anyone. Well, they bought seven of the tickets. Assuming them and their family and friends would all get to play with one GM. Now, as I had mentioned, we had been low on GMs, so we had sort of discussed that a lot of GMs were aware they might have to go up to six people if there wasn't a GM available for a game, and I had to spread out those tickets to other people. And many people were okay with this. I only had one guy that was like, um, I need only five, and I'm like, all right, whatever, dude, I trust you to know what you can handle. So anyway, this older lady in one of the scooters and, like, a dude in, like, late 30s, early 40s, and then a a lady that I couldn't really put an age on. They come in and they're like, hey, we're here from this game. And I'm like, great, wonderful. The table's open. Go ahead and chill. And the older lady scoots in and the son, I've called him the son at this point because it's how it looked, uh, was like, so we have four other people coming. And I'm like, what? Um, do they have tickets? Yeah, no, we're all for the same adventure. And I was walking with him to the table and I had to sit down and explain to them that, yes, there are 10 tickets available, but it's uh, for two tables of five. And I said, well, at minimum, I can put six of you at this table and I need one de facto to go to the other table because the only GM I would let have seven people was John Wick. He's the only person I would trust to make sure people have fun at seven people. And uh, mom got kind of snippy, like in her in her chair. She didn't want to understand that seven people was a lot and it wouldn't be fun. And like, if they're paying you people, you need to make it happen. And I wanted to be like, they're not actually paying a shit, but (laughs) they're paying our badge and not even everybody because some people didn't do four games. But I'm just like, we're just going to figure it out because something may happen. I don't know. People may not show up. Eclipses may happen. I don't know. We'll see what happens when it happens, which is basically how I ran the entire weekend. And about like five, ten minutes later, every time I had found out something new, I would tell them immediately first. And they seemed okay with it. Their uh, family members still hadn't shown up yet, though. And it was like 10 till the game started. And I see mom scooter out. And I'm like, oh, maybe you should have to go to the bathroom, get a drink, whatever. And then the son comes up to me and he's like, yeah, I think we're just going to bail. I'm like, what? So <laughs> how much like, were yeah. tickets for this event, by the way? $10. So they, they dropped $70 on a game they weren't going to play. Holy crap. Mind you, you can use the tickets in other events. Yeah, and you can refund them or whatever. You can, but refunds are a bitch because you need someone from the game to actually come down and sign off on it. Like... Someone who's an exhibitor, not like me. Mm-hmm. And um, and I'm just like staring at him. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, we just want to all play together. Thank you, though. Like, son's super nice to me. Like, I know that your life is not easy right now. I'm going to be nice to you because my mom has obviously been sh- shitting on you a little bit for not being able to accommodate every 
impossibility that we've thrown at you. (laughs) And honestly, because of those seven people bailing, it worked out fine. I had enough people with generals to sort of fluff everything out. And we had enough missing GMs that it worked out. And it was fine. But it just stunned me watching them be like, nah, we're just not going to play. Peace. Yeah, that's... hmm. Yeah. I don't know, like, I don't know what made them think that they would be able to play with that many people. Like, is that is that the size of their group normally? Like, maybe. I don't know. It, it's a lot. I don't, I don't claim to know the psychology of those people. Yeah. I think they're a cult. Maybe. <laughs> Always an option. Um, other stuff I did on Thursday, I was, I went into the consignment storm with James and I bought the Optimus game. As we've heard previously, it was great. And we both bought our uh, bad contest things. We did, yes. I will fully admit James found both of them. It might not end up mattering. Yeah, we're both going to lose, so whatever. Against Max's sexy times. You know it. And they're not, and those times aren't very sexy. (laughs) By the way, I gave that game away to one of my friends who um, took it better than I would have expected. I think he looked at this like, oh, I'm definitely going to play this with my wife. <laughs> Once, I asked. I've asked him if I've asked him for any updates, and he, he said, "Like we read the back of the box and laughed at it so far. We're gonna do something with it eventually, but nothing at the moment." Nice. Oh, oh. Should we do our favorite cosplays during our things? Uh, uh, oh, sure. Uh, let me finish, and then yeah, you can do yours. Go for it. Um, along with that, uh, we went around. I bought a few prints. Um, I ended up. Saturday after playing The Alchemist once, Thursday night, or Friday night, like, buying the $40 expansion, because I knew I loved it that much. And there's four expansions in it, so it's not that bad. I also bought the expansion for Splendor, which I couldn't get last year because it sold out so quickly. Also four expansions in there. Exactly. So you bought eight expansions. I did buy eight expansions this year. Um, I also lost my phone. As previously stated, because um, James is a hero, uh, I actually- what, you didn't lose your phone because I'm a hero. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you were a hero in the situation. Um, mostly because I was very tired and my legs hurt. Um, I left it at the table of Danielle Cassetto, who does who did the web comment uh, Girls with Slingshots. I think it might still be going. When I was buying going. a print from her. Hmm? What, James? I think that webcomic might still be going. No, she's finished it. Okay. She finished, I heard her say at one point she finished it like three years ago. But it is quite good. I read it a lot. Uh, it was quite nice. Um, but anyway, I had set it down, I guess, when I was buying a print. And we met up with a friend, blah, blah, blah. It was a while. And we couldn't figure out where my phone was. So we went to Lost and Found. I left a description. Because um, my phone's pretty obvious. It's a pink iPhone, but it's got a like hard case around it that's got black and roses. And then it's got one of those pop socket things with a cat and an astronaut suit (laughs) for the clarity of our listeners this is not a phone that causes pink eye no um and then as is plausible my lock screen's like a cat in a lion suit it's adorable but anyway james has been calling this phone off and on since we figured out i lost it and we finally after we put in the info it it, uh lost and found we walked back to the hotel because we're both really tired and at one point, my phone leaves a message on his phone, like a voicemail. And it's a lady, it's Danielle, saying, hey, you've called enough times that at this point I think you're a trustable source that's looking for this phone. I have it at this booth. It's the same like conglomerate group with Jeff Jacks and 
uh, Somer and Lars from Looking for Group, and uh, at least I could do. Uh, there were some other webcomic artists, but I didn't know them. It's all this sort of conglomerate big group for webcomics that have a decent following. And I have the phone. It's super cute. I kind of want to steal it. Click. And I'm like, oh, God, we got we to gotta go get my phone. And I'm walking with him to the uh, elevator. And it doesn't help that I'm limping because my feet hurt so much. And James was just like, I will go. Puts his hands on my shoulders and pushes me back to the room. I will return with your phone. And he did. He ran back to the convention center. And then he came all the way back to the hotel. Turns out, valiant. Pe- turns out people get out of your way when you're a fat guy sprinting. <laughs> also, I guess shout outs to not password locking your phone. It, well, no, it mine was is, password no, it, locked, it is which password is the strange locked. part. But she can answer I, when it's when it comes in. But she didn't answer. She called she back. She left a voicemail. Huh. You can still get to an emergency call from a lock screen, so maybe she took note of your number and then it's a, yeah, used the whoa. emergency call function? I thought emergency call could only call 911 or your ice contacts. Again, I don't know what magic she did to leave James a message. I still have that voicemail. It's the most maybe. famous person that ever called me. <laughs> maybe it's maybe she jailbroke it. Maybe, but like... <laughs> you know what jailbreaking is. <laughs> Vaguely. You, no, you don't. <laughs> Either way, I uh, I went back on Saturday and thanked her, and it turns out she hadn't even seen the lock screen, so I showed her that, and she's like, I want to steal your phone even more, it's so cute. I'm like, these are free internet images you can find on the internet, I promise. No, give just, me the JPEGs. Just, just search for kitten in lion costume, you will be utter joy, in utter joy. Um, that's... Can make that the splash screen for this? Yeah. <laughs> Other than that, I played Root with Matt, which I'll let him go into further detail on. And that was super fun. I got to play K-Cat, and I rocked it, even though I lost. Um, well, we, we both found out later we were breaking a lot of rules. Well, yeah, but still. Um, ate some cool food. Most of it was chicken tenders, because that was what was near John Wick's thing. Nice. It was. They were good. What can I say? Oh, yeah, I guess shout-outs to the, to the hotel snack bar. Oh, yeah, our hotel was pretty great. They also had, like, Monday through Thursday, they have uh, free food and wine and beer. And robust coffee. And robust coffee between, like, 5 and 7 p.m. And then they had free breakfast, too, which was nice. That picture should be the uh, the wrap-up banner picture. <laughs> <laughs> just, the, just the guy with robust. <laughs> um... Oh, my favorite cosplay. Probably the girl who was dressed up as uh, Lady Amalthea, who is actually a lot of my my uh, names on different sites. And uh, for those that don't know, um, in the 80s, there was a cartoon movie called The Last Unicorn. As you might expect, the main character is a unicorn. At one point, to avoid being killed by a giant red fiery bull, she gets turned into a human and goes by the name of Malthea. Mm. And um, the girl who was cosplaying her, oh man, she had the mirror, uh, or just had like a little handheld mirror that had a picture of the unicorn form sort of like taped on it, glued on it. Then she also had a fake Starbucks unicorn frappuccino (laughs) that she was carrying with her. Nice. It was great. Uh, James, do you have a favorite cosplay? Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. Um, my favorite cosplay was uh, there was a couple of people going around as Jake and Elwood Blues and Sister Mary Stigmata from the Blues Brothers movie. And um, 
like they had a speaker hidden around that was playing like the the Blues Brothers walking around theme. They had Jake carrying a they had Jake carrying a little key on a chain that he was swinging around, and Elwood was handcuffed to uh, to a suitcase. It was fantastic. And whenever people asked them to do a photo op, they would like get into poses from the movie. Nice. It was good. That's cool. They even had the uh, the, the the facial hair like the Jake Blues mutton chops. Uh, so who um. Kevin, you want to take the next one? Sure. Uh, I guess I'll start with cosplay since we were talking that. I saw a guy doing comic book Bane. And he he was wearing like a black tank top. He had the mask and like the green tubes and stuff. But the dude was... While he wasn't that tall, he was jacked. I mean, he had all the muscles and all that. And I really respect that because that's something you can't fake. Did he have a bat that he was carrying around and breaking over his knee? Uh, no, I think his girlfriend was <laughs> playing Harley, I think. Gotcha. But, uh, yeah, the dude was really fit, and it came off really intimidating. So, congratulations to him. That's a lot of work. Now, uh, you wonder if he built up the body to do the cosplay, or he picked the cosplay because of the body. Yeah, tough, tough to say, but either way, any motivation you can have to work out helps. <laughs> just got a picture of bane in his room just like pumping iron like yeah one day buddy every like, time he does a sit up he looks at the poster there's a non-zero part of me that wants to get really fit to play all might <laughs> but or really yeah, unhealthy so you can play the other side of all might i'll never be able to play skinny all might <laughs> i got a chance at big all might if i really work on my arms let's hope you never have a chance to play skinny all might <laughs> now i'm pretty sure that my my bone structure makes it literally impossible <laughs> also you need a pointy chin yeah but anyway uh i did actually very little gaming at gen con i was too busy learning about games and <laughs> doing other things Aside from the Arabian Nights we played, I think I played one demo and I played two games of a little logic game that someone had designed at one of the RPPR meetups, which that was a kind of neat little thing. What game was that? The logic uh, game. She had no name for it because she had, she said it was... I, I guess what was the logic of the game? It was kind of like, it was like a hex grid version of Suro, kind of. And there were striped routes and solid routes, and each player was one of them, and the goal was to uh, close loops uh, between the route connections. And once you did, if you closed the loop, you got points, but also which type of ra of uh, piece was on each one, a point went to that person. So if you had a four-tile four route with... Uh, like three stripes and one solid, then the person who closes the route gets four, the stripe player gets three points, and the solid player gets one. It was a neat little system, and I don't know if she's uh, planning to take it to market or what she's planning to do with it, but it was cool to play someone's personally designed game. Yeah, that's neat. Especially because it was a fairly simple one that she had laser cut and all that. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't realize the... I didn't understand... I didn't realize the production value going on in there. Yeah, she actually had, like... I mean, it came in a little bag, but they were laser-cut hexes with uh, that's cool little things on them. So hopefully she uh, gets that to where she wants it, whatever she's planning to do with it. Uh, let's see. Spent a lot of time running around to uh, seminars and some time skipping seminars I was going to. Uh, Any interesting seminars? 
Uh, I went to one on the ethics of mad science, because I tend to like mad science. It was kind of interesting. It was... I. Yeah, uh, I'd heard of actually one of the guys, Patrick Tomlinson, before. He's an author who uh, does uh, like hard sci-fi stuff. But they talked a little bit about like I think their biggest topic of discussion was the uh, the question of how do you determine safety in a self-driving car and how do you prioritize what lives are lost if there's an accident, things like that. Which I don't know. I feel like that. They were talking about how, you know, nobody wants to be on the receiving end of a car, you know, the car deciding to drive itself off a cliff rather than crash into a school bus full of kids and killing your family. But, I mean, on the other hand, I don't feel like that's necessarily any worse than, you know, lives, you know, humans having a quarter second to make ethical decisions while they're maybe distracted by a text. Right, yeah. I mean, at least, you know, yeah, it sucks to be to have a, an algorithm decide that you were the least valuable life there, but at least it's straightforward, and at least someone's actually making a decision. So, I don't know, I, I felt like they kind of glossed over that a little bit, but it was pretty cool to hear. There were two other people on the panel whose names I don't remember, I'm afraid, but, yeah, uh, the one lady talked a little bit about uh, how she had been part of a project that was doomed from the very beginning, but they worked on it for four years to uh, try to assuage uh, Silicon Valley investors. <laughs> did, like, did she understand it was doomed from the beginning, but still worked on it anyway? They were their First off, their scale was absolutely stupid. Their plan was that they wanted to develop a blood test that could detect a certain type of tumor. And they their uh, forecast was that every person in the country would get the test every two years. <laughs> so that was their prediction for uh, how to build the company. So when they started to uh, do the testing, they realized that at the stage they were trying to detect, it was impossible. Just in your average blood sample, there was zero evidence. So even if you had perfect detection, you couldn't, you statistically wouldn't get a detection. But that at stage three or stage four, it was, you know, like 100% effective. So if they change the focus to that, then they could actually make something of it. But that was not what they were selling the investors, so that was off the table. So they collected their paychecks and waited for the company to fold. Which, of course, it did, I think. Yeah. At least that, that project would have folded. It's at least It was at least a more worthwhile endeavor than the fucking uh, juicer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, by the way, there's another, there's another juicer on the market now. That is also similarly doomed to failure. Man, I mean, like, I can sell juice bottles. I sell bottles of juice. <laughs> you can buy a case and take it home. <laughs> I don't know why anyone else is getting into the exclusive home DRM juicer market after the Juicero scandal, but here we are. Well, I mean, with, with something like that, how many does it take? Like, if you sell a thousand, you're probably making money. If you sell a hundred, you're probably making money. Yeah, but after this, what what are the odds you're going to sell one? I don't know. I'd you can find Juicero in you can find Juiceros in Goodwill now. <laughs> but where are you going to get seen... the proprietary juice packs? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, I'd say the the best panel I went to personally was a small business panel run by a woman with a kimono shop in Toledo. Uh, she was talking about how she had been a high level marketing executive and. She sat in on the meetings where 
the executive board were debating, you know, let's hire felons because felons don't complain about work conditions and we can cut corners there. And they were discussing how to increase their bonuses and all that. And she said she went home, like, just feeling filthy every day and eventually quit and started a small business. Uh, she had some pretty good advice, like, stay the hell away from, well, in, in her professional opinion, as she made clear because of the li- the likelihood of being sued for libel or slander if you say even a, an obvious factual thing about someone's business. Uh, LegalZoom said she said it cost her like $700 to get her LLC, whereas if she'd yeah. gone through a business law firm, it would have been about 26 that's about um yeah my thing through legal zoom was similar to that except um i'm guessing making an llc is cheaper in this in the state that she's in probably i mean it's ohio uh, so in the state of illinois establishing an llc on its own like if you did it yourself directly would be is six hundred dollars yeah i don't know uh but i'm definitely curious about that because i'm considering uh making myself an llc yeah, for media I mean, purposes a, and going from yeah. there. Yeah, uh, an LLC or a C Corp or whatever. Um, I know filing mine was eleven hundred dollars through LegalZoom, which is still pretty cheap. Yeah, I don't know. I have to. I'll have to look into it a little before I can make any decision like that. But you also want to look into annual fees, uh, annual filing fees, and you're gonna have to. You're gonna want to bookmark your state's, uh, your state's local like tax uh, thing. Yeah. I you can ask me about you can ask me about boring stuff and I can I can tell you the things that I've had to do for uh, drunk and ugly games for the past three years. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I am interested in that stuff, but uh, not yet. <laughs> yeah, that's and that's a, that's a topic for a different podcast. Let's say. Yeah, this was my first trip with my new camera. Uh, I got some decent footage uh two of them have gone up i don't know if i'm gonna put the others up uh yeah we learned um well, i think susan learned specifically that your camera can only legally record 30 minutes at a time because of tariff laws yeah. yes it turns out canons are like that too basically every camera you buy can do that or is like that except unless you buy a just literal video camera yeah so and even then if you want 30 minutes it's got to be at like 480 it's not it's not at a you get less time the higher quality the video is yeah it's i I wouldn't have minded if it it recorded in 20 minute sections it's that it shuts itself off after 20 minutes and you have to press record again which is somewhat limiting but i mean i'll work around it it's gonna at the for one thing it's going to help and help uh support good video habits I'm going to have to actually plan my shots, which is always a good thing. And anything that makes you plan your shots is good. Uh, remembering how much I forgot was a little bit humbling. Uh, the the one video was way overexposed. The other one, uh, audio wasn't great. I've got, a, I've got some work to do, but I'm relearning video editing and I'm hoping to start regularly releasing videos. And... Let's see, what else did I do? Uh, RPPR meetup was neat. Uh, the RPPR panels were cool. I, myself, I haven't, uh, listened to RPPR before. Uh, David was really cool. Great guy in person. And I imagine a great guy on recording as well. Uh, I think I'll, I, I summed it up in our video as he is as well spoken as he is gay. Yes. And he's as gay as he is purple. 
That dude offered me a cigarette at the RPPR meetup, and he's like, hey, it's purple. And I was, Same. It was grape, and it was like the most pungent grape ever, and I'm like, I don't know what else I but expected. But not like real grape. It was definitely a fake grape that oh, smelled yeah, I, yeah, closer yeah. to what would be compared as purple. He That's what that was. sniff a purple cigar that he had. I don't know where he got it. <laughs> I mean, he, he might have had it given to him by a fan. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes sense. I don't know, just a guess, but... Uh, David was also on the two panels, uh, Travis's Cosmic Horror panel, and uh, the I don't not sure who uh, did the panel. Matt was on who hosted uh, Bridget. That. Bridget hosted that, but yeah, really a good guy, ethical guy, smart guy. Uh, Cosmic Horror panel was pretty cool. Uh, Travis gave me a fair amount of things to think about, like. Uh, cosmic horror in a genre that i definitely would not have expected w- with the gumdrop ships and all that yeah that's uh that's on ugly talk so go to they know things to get that one uh thanks again to Root cultist for giving us a backup recording because our recorder did not record that i'm an idiot and it was stressed out you did well uh the other panel was pretty cool too uh that one uh i mean i I don't know if there's a recording of that one up or not, but... Not yet, but um, Bridget recorded it, so it'll go up eventually. Yeah, uh, got got a shout-out to Goblin in that one. That was interesting. Uh, yeah, I was not expecting that in the slightest. <laughs> there's the point There's the point in the... So this is the uh, Queer Experiences in Gaming panel where we're talking about creating a safe space and, like, you know, being, uh, being accommodating for players and all that other stuff. And one of the things at the end is like, do we have some queer games we can represent? And like, David's like, yeah, I've got this one here that my fellow panelist, Matt is working on this game called Goblin. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. Okay. Sure. It's, uh, yeah, I guess the goblins don't have gender. Um, we used he, but we, we wrote it as, oh, he is the goblin is, is short for Hechplock, which is the goblin word for another goblin. <laughs> and, uh, shout out to, well, shout, shout out to Laura B, um, for sensitivity writing and, uh, making that, making that game something readable and something, I think, enjoyable by everybody. Yeah. Like whiskey. It's very true. Not everyone can enjoy whiskey. I don't enjoy whiskey, but I do enjoy goblin. Yeah. More universal than whiskey. We got what it. What does exactly. it taste like? <laughs> I need to put that out. Whiskey. I to, uh, shit, I need to throw out the Kyle. <laughs> put that how does it taste? <laughs> Charlotte Adams, I don't enjoy whiskey, but I do enjoy <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know how many people will do it, but a bunch of people, as I was describing goblins in my game, were just like, yeah, sure, give me that card. So, Yeah, goblin, goblin.house. G-O-B-L-A-N dot H-O-U-S-E. Go there. Uh, let's see. Uh, as far as actual gaming, uh, Max and Travis and myself demoed a game called Deep Madness, which seemed like a pretty cool uh, replayable mini-heavy game. Uh, co-op of investigators versus cosmic horrors. The scenario we played was in like a sinking uh, ocean base, so uh, flooding and drowning was an issue. Uh, it seemed really cool to me. The minis were really well done. The mechanics were solid. It's a co-op game, which I always like. Yeah, it was it was pretty neat. Um, I mean, there were like some things that were rough, but that was by design as much as the designers didn't want to admit to it. Yeah. yeah. We asked about it later. Yeah, um, I, I went and asked them what was the failure rate in their playtesting. He's like, we don't know. It's too complex. It's like, come on, guy. You can give me like 
Our, our demo fails like 20% of the time is all I needed to hear. You don't have to be defensive about it. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> people like hard games. People to many people that like say, Kingdom uh, Death Monster. Yeah. <laughs> Kingdom and, Death uh, Monster. to the quality of the figurines, uh, Kevin took me by there later on. And um, <coughs> uh, Kevin took me by there later on and we got to see, I, I at least got to see like the, the, the draft designs for the figures. Yeah. I think, oh yeah, they're um, also are, planning on making like uh, actual war games and other things of the sort. Yeah, yeah they had a lot of figures that weren't into quality models. Yeah, they had a lot of models that weren't for the that weren't for that particular game. I think one thing that Danielle pointed out while we were there is like, oh yeah, look, you you, you can definitely tell which one of them, which ones of them are ladies. Yeah, there there was There's, a thing. That, what is it? It's three separate games built together. The one on the left side, when you were looking at the table, is me and Max noticed it. A lot of the designs are actually very similar. They're like aged up, like temporarily, not actually like my like. It's not like twenty years later. Uh, they they're they're very similar to the old Odyssey Phyrexia uh, art yeah, styles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. They had a very like the sort of. Um, corrupt machine monstrous look to it but with a little more elegance i'd probably say than the old school phyrexia yeah so yeah. like one of them looked like uh hand of the praetors except aged up a bit another one looked like oh uh there was phyrexian the phyrexian negator looking motherfucker there was, yeah there was one that had the exact jawline of the negator obliterator yeah the head shape in particular i saw so i i, I think yes it, it, they there is very clearly which ones are ladies but i uh that that's just the general nature of that. Yeah, type that's, of un- that's an unfortunate part of war games for a couple of reasons, both because of just you know that trying to appeal to those types of folks, also because of um, that making it a lot easier to pronounce that sort of idea in a figure. Yeah, you got figures are it, small. It's got to be very pronounced to show up on a tiny even, model. Yeah, even these large figures, like if you didn't really make it stand out, it would be like a little less influential as it were like it's still kind of skeevy but like i i get it yeah i still like our i still like the the idea that the sisters of battle um are so pronounced because they just have two power field generators built into their armor (laughs) their tits can literally just cut through swords i mean even like kingdom death monster has uh all the fan service models which may make me feel really weird to get (laughs) though did you say you watched the kingdom death monster demo uh, we played it last we year. We played it and... last year, yeah. Okay, because you, I remember you talking about like, I remember you talking about like you knew the rules and you saw how the creators were like exploiting things the players didn't know against them because that's the Kingdom Death Monster way. Yeah, the you uh, know, yeah the first time you play Kingdom Death Monster, you're not intended to do well. Yeah, and the moderator was like specifically kind of telling you things that looked good at the time, but that would lead to bad effects. Mm-hmm. He was like trying oh, to lure it's you fine into to traps. Pick survival of the fittest, <laughs> which is fine, especially in a demo where you're only there for 45 minutes anyway. But so Deep Madness is doing a Kickstarter in October that I might get in on if I have the money. Uh, they're re- doing a second printing. Uh, the other game that I'm looking at buying might be This War of Mine. Which oh, yeah, the right, board they game. made a they made a board game version of that didn't they yeah which was they made it a little while ago it wasn't new at gen con uh i didn't know it was a thing or i might have gotten in on it but it seems really cool it's like it's co-op uh you know base management and mission management and you cycle around determining where to prioritize your people and things like that so i'm, I'm and lots of uh narrative things probably kind of like dead of winter 
So I'm I'm really excited for that one, and that's probably the other thing I'd like to buy soon. Uh, i trying to think what else. Uh, best food at Gen Con was not actually at Gen Con. It was at the mall just on the other side of the food trucks. Burger Study was delicious. That's it was amazing. There. I didn't end up going there. That's my plan for next year. I just completely blanked about it. Yeah, it's it was amazing. I had this... Uh, I mean, the burgers start at like 12 or $13 and go up to much, much more than that. But it was definitely worth it. By far the best burger I ever had. Amazing meat. Uh, the one I had had a coffee rub in the meat, which yeah. I was kind of leery of. But the bitterness actually worked really well with the, the meat. And there was some egg and cheese and all that good stuff. Nice. So. Hot damn. Yeah, uh, so Burger Study will definitely be, like, my splurge food every time I go to Gen Con from now on. I'll have to try that. I'll, I have two large burger places I go to, so I'm going to have to add that one in somewhere. Nice. I don't have a burger place. I have a nacho place. So great. Now <laughs> I have a burger place. <laughs> <laughs> Other than that, um, next year I'm going to definitely go to the auction first thing and get registered. So that anytime I want, I can go sit down in the auction hall right across from the dealer hall and bid if I feel like it. Bid on some, bid on some, uh, uh, what is it, uh, falling apart Warhammer books? Yeah, well, not so much them, but I mean, I saw <laughs> Excuse a, me, Matt, they were loose leaf. I saw a whole storage tote of uh, Heroescape go for $48, and I definitely thought about getting in on that, but actually the biggest... Oh, man! I forgot that Heroescape was a thing. I still have, like, the old starter set of that, like, in my house. Oh, dude, they're, they're, that game they're, they're pushing school. it. Chaosium's pushing it, because they're gonna do a re-release here soon. Really? Nice. Yes, yeah. that's why it was I, selling. I really genuinely don't hate that game. It's not bad. And the, the stuff is worth money. I'm more interested... Is it? I'm not that interested in the game itself. I played it a little bit, and it was okay, but... The terrain, You're just investing. Well, the mod, the modular terrain is cool. Oh yeah, the hex, the hex grid stuff's really nice, actually. Uh, aside from that, uh, consignment auction uh, was kind of a bust for me this year. I didn't buy a single thing. Uh, just nothing really looked interesting. But that's the nature of the beast. <laughs> oh yeah, because your thing came from the dealer's hall straight up. It's yeah. a shame the Shadowrun game sold out before you got there. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. I'll find it sometime. Oh yeah, that's. That's the other thing I want to look into is uh, I've been into Shadowrun a little bit. So there's a co-op deck building game that I'm interested in. All right. But I'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, I think that that's most of my experience. A lot of running around the dealer hall, checking out art, checking out games. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the Super Star Destroyer they just came out with for Armada is amazing. Oh, yeah, that's the $200 one. I know if, like, yeah, I don't know if it was. T hopefully, it's not that quite that expensive. When is this it comes the one out. for X Wing or for the other one? Uh, it was for Ar Armada, which is the uh, like Star Destroyer scale one. Okay, Capital yeah, I saw battle. that one. That's like that, that's yeah, it's like I don't know, eight inches long, <sighs> probably more than that. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. So maybe someday, someday. And uh, I was gonna look up Eric Lang and never got around to it. Eric Lang is like the Michael Jordan of game design, as one of the people he worked with told me last year. <laughs> I haven't had okay. a chance to meet the guy, but he, like, in one year, he did a Bloodborne game and, like, two other popular ones. 
He also designed XCOM and a bunch of other uh, games that I really enjoy, God, at least XCOM conceptually. Really good. Yeah, Bloodborne's decent. XCOM is really good. There's uh, he's aside from maybe Vlada Chavadal, and that's all for Galaxy Trucker. He's my favorite designer. But sorry, I think that's well, it for me. That's next year. About about it. Uh, next year, more videos, more. Uh, I want to do more business-related seminars, and yeah, that's yeah, about hopefully it. we'll run more seminars. Last year, we were very disorganized coming into this Gen Con. Yeah, I say this every year, but I hope to run at least one panel next year. So. I take no blame for my own disorganization this year. <laughs> I'm just gonna say it's real easy to schedule a panel. Yeah, very very easy. We got Charlotte, Max, Travis. Who wants to go next? I'll go. No one else was speaking. All right. You did it. <laughs> Our silence <laughs> shamed you into action. I, I done did it. Uh, yeah, so it's funny because my Gen Con kind of involved not seeing any of you guys very much, uh, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Yeah, I ran into Kevin once yeah, I saw you in at the, the hall hallway. One day. <laughs> you filled the dealer hall with us for a bit. Yeah. Um,. Unfortunately, missed the RPPR hangout because I was feeling crummy and sick that night and ended up just uh, going to sleep. Um, but a couple of highlights were definitely um, an evening of nerdlesque burlesque, um, which I saw last year as well. But um, Is this the sequel to the rope bondage course? <laughs> Could you buy sex rope? There, there was no sex rope this year. Okay. Um, but the nerdlesque burlesque show is always... Super sexy, super funny, super nerdy, and also sometimes a little bit terrifying. So you get the whole spectrum of human emotion when you go see it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> yeah. There were uh, some horror-inspired uh, burlesque performances, as well as it's, it's a variety Sick. show, too. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. definitely. <laughs> now you're speaking actually. my language. <laughs> yeah. God, I see this now. I had not heard of this. They do it every year. Um, so if you want to check it out next year, there was a Silent Hill-inspired one this year. Oh, and another right. one that was, like, gory and horror-y, but my friends and I weren't able to tell what IP it was supposed to be from. We thought it was, like, maybe it's Silence of the Lambs, maybe it's Harry Potter. Like, we honestly have no fucking clue. I, I'm, um, <laughs> I really want to know what thing could it could make you wonder if it's Silence of the Lambs or Harry Potter. I'm experienced in both these IPs, so you should describe it. <laughs> uh, well, it was, like, I can't even describe it. Someone got their heart ripped out on stage and they ate it sexily. Collie um, mom, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was fun. Uh, Definitely would recommend nerd nerdlesque burlesque. Um, nerdlesque burlesque. It's like the Matrix. You have to see it for yourself. You really do. It's fantastic. Um, another highlight was definitely. Um, so this was um, the other podcast. I'm a cast member on Tabletop Potluck. It was our first Gen Con together as a podcast, um, and we ran a panel called Tabletop Potlucks School for Kids Who Can't RP Good, and it was terrifying. But also it went really well, and we didn't get a recording because we realized we primed the microphone, but we did not actually press record. Oh. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I did okay, that Okay, but well. why terrifying this time? You always want to make sure that the thing lights up when you push the button. Yeah, no, it was just like, the, the previous panel that was in the room ran late, so we were freaking out about starting on time, and it was just like, oh god, we have to start right now, and mistakes were made. But it was fine. It was really fun. 
Uh, and I'm looking forward to doing another panel next year. Yeah, I think once you get your first panel out of the way, then you recognize that panels are much easier than you would have ever expected. Oh, for sure. Uh, uh, like the one year that uh, Travis was going to do a panel on his dissertation and shenanigans happened. And so it was me and Ross uh, with no ideas. <laughs> Or, and then similarly, me, Kevin, and James, just like, all right, we got a panel about GMing. We've all GMed. Let's do this. And <laughs> yep. that panel ended up being really good, actually. Thank Shout you. Shout outs to the guy from two years ago that uh, complained about the panel and then came up to us at the end and said, that was really good. Uh, he didn't really complain about it, but he seemed like he was hostily commenting, but it turns out he was like good criticizing. Yeah. I, yeah. I wonder if that was the Cinnabon guy. <laughs> uh, from the sound of it, Cinnabon guy was much worse than this guy was. <laughs> Sorry to tell you, James. There's a lot of pedantic people in the RPG community. Really? <laughs> but yeah, sorry, we interrupted you, Charlotte. No, no, it's all good. Um, definitely another highlight was uh, well, okay, this isn't the highlight part, but I think on Friday I ended up playing in a really super mediocre D and D game that I had paid money for. And I was kind of disappointed and I was like, oh, man, I was hoping to, like, play some D&D at Gen Con. Hey, uh, you got the real Gen Con experience. Yeah. So Max pulled through and DM'd a D&D game for some of my Chicago friends, uh, starting at, like, I don't know, 11 o'clock at night, going till 2 a.m. And we were just hanging out in the Starbucks lobby playing D&D, and it was really Yeah, fun. the real Gen Con experience. Yeah. The good oh, games rude. don't end till 2 a.m. in the morning. Exactly. Uh, so it was a lot of fun, and uh, I played a drow paladin who talked like Rita Repulsa, and it was really fun. <laughs> I'm never going to go for that. I use on hands. <laughs> That's a great concept. It was a lot of fun. Um, and also played in a really fun uh, Masks, uh, a new generation game um, from Magpie Games, which is just such a charming and fun Powered by the Apocalypse game. Super easy to jump into. Um, everyone made up characters on the fly and had these like great emotional connections and story beats, which is something you never expect when you play a con game one shot. Um, but my character ended up like taking a bullet for another character and it was like, it was a lot of fun. So, Masks, A New Generation. I would recommend. Very fun game. Uh, any any uh, standout cosplays? Uh, so, I saw three distinct children's cosplayers in the year of our Lord 2018. I saw more than that. <laughs> It blows my mind. Like, when did Chobits end? I don't even know, but... People will Chobits, always Chobits was want... over when I was in college. It so, was not, yeah. think of it this way. People want to fuck their computers. Chobits was that <laughs> anime. In 2018, has that desire lessened or increased? <laughs> you know, that's a fuck good point. You. Hey, uh, I, it ended 2002, two years oh after it started. God. Oh, oh man, <laughs> Rebecca's sitting over here trying to play her Switch and she's face palming. I won! Wow. So, outside of Firefly, that's probably the most cultural influence for the shortest run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Jeez. But yeah, so that was the most surprising. Um, I saw a lot of really good Critical Role cosplays, which is not surprising. Uh, but well, my friend Megan did a really good Yasha cosplay from Critical Role Campaign 2, uh, which I always appreciate. Good craftsmanship, especially when it's my friends who are doing it, because I can point to them and I go, I know them. Nice. Oh, speaking, you mentioned Critical Role. We saw a lot of Adventure Zone cosplays, but ev 
every single one was gender flipped. We never saw one that was uh, well, very gender few geeks straight. Want to actually, cosplay taco. Yeah, cowards. The, uh, yeah. Um, no, I saw a ton of critical role people. Like they would just kind of waft by and be mm-hmm. like, "You don't know what I am." I'm like, I vaguely do. I'm on Tumblr. I know of a critical role. Oh, so this is the new Homestuck cosplay. Pretty much, yeah. Oh, also saw a lot of Homestuck cosplay, though. It's harder to cosplay Critical Role than it was Homestuck. Yeah, you yeah. don't just slap on some face paint, put on some <laughs> devil horns you painted like candy corn. Like yeah. Or if you were me it, yeah. and you cosplayed a kid, just a shirt and a wig. Yeah, just a shirt and a wig. Easy peasy. Uh, I did also see actually a surprising amount of Homestuck cosplay. That said, in our year 2018, I saw cosplayers of Homestuck. Oh, yeah, no, I saw some really great Homestuck cosplayers, actually. It was like, oh, that's like... I feel yeah, like no, an Homestuck oxymoron really well just happened. Did Homestuck really even happen, or was it just like a group hallucination? It was a coll- yeah, it was definitely It happened, and it's now owned by Viz Media. Oh my god, I forgot about that. Oh. Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. Did they buy MSPA or just Homestuck? Yes. They bought everything, and they redid the MSPA website so that it's- It's so bad. It, no, they redid the website so that you could actually read it on mobile, and it's good. They switched everything either from HTML or to HTML from Flash. I'm not sure which way is better. Dang. Well, there you have it. You can read Homestuck on mobile now, guys. Well, yeah. And also, they're funding the actual printing of the books again. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't say anything about the game, but whatever. Mm, yeah. That's drama for another day. <laughs> you can read Homestuck on mobile now, which means you have a chance at actually finishing it if you didn't read it actively at the time of it coming out. Uh, so, anything else, Charlotte? Uh, no, that was my Gen Con. It was surprisingly chill and relaxing, uh, and I got to hang out with friends and do cool stuff and, like, not freak out and have anxiety all the time. Oh, also went to the Delta Green panel and got to chat with uh, Scott Glancy for a little bit. He's a very cool dude. Oh, yeah. ASG is nice. He'll, he'll talk to you off. do you mean two hours? <laughs> Uh, no, so here's the funny thing. My friend and I were actually talking to him while he was signing someone else's Delta Green handbook. Um, and at one point he just like stopped writing the note and was just talking to us. And the guy whose book it was was like, uh, excuse me, can I, uh... Yeah, that was the, um, (laughs) I'll I'll just say like, it's an abbreviated thing. Travis and I conducted a full interview, like a full field interview with Adam Scott Glancy while he was running his, like, while he was running his store. Yeah. (laughs) And he talked with us for like over an hour. Which he routinely does since I had to go to the store to turn in my tickets this year. Oh, yeah. Just, the man never stops. And that's Admiral. Yeah, he, um, we, um, met him at PodCon last year as well, and hopefully at some point during PodCon 2 in 2019, he expressed interest in running a, a quick Call of Cthulhu game for us. I'm like, quick, I probably mean like seven hours long. I, he's, he's got I have a story about a glancy game for Gen Con. <laughs> All right, Travis, do you want to do you want to go next then? Yeah, sure, I'll jump in. Okay. Um, my Gen Con wasn't that uh it was actually pretty good. Um I was exhausted because I got off work on let's see. Wednesday I got off work at 9 a.m., slept 4 hours and then got on a plane and then touched down Thursday, went to the hotel and then ran my game 20 minutes after touching down and putting the stuff in the room. Um, but outside of that, uh, it wasn't bad. I took a lot of naps because I'm essentially nocturnal now. Yeah, that's my that's my memory of you at the con is just walking in and seeing you asleep and then like walking out somewhere. 
Yeah, I I I'm nocturnal now, and I need naps to decompress. Uh, deal with some of the the like stress that I get when I do cons and like a lot of performance stuff. So, sure. now I remember getting hit with an MRE, which the homeless guy at my school uh, at uh, the work is really appreciative of. Matt, nice. <laughs> Uh, Matt gave me some MREs. They're not bad. They're like bricks. They're that... not MREs. They're uh, they're emergency rations. Oh, excuse me. They um, still are good, but they're bricks that taste like lemon cake. Yeah, no, they're, they're basically just one inch thick shortbreads. If you watched our April Fools' video, um, then you've you've seen you've 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 heard me eating them. <laughs> they're very like, loud they and crumbly. Like a condensed powder. Oh, like someone just like pushed powder into a brick shape until it was solid. Yeah, they put it in a pressure cooker and instead of cooking it just kind of became a brick. But yeah, I ran four games for Arc Dream. Um to various degrees of success. The first one was three people. Uh, they were all sold out when we got there, so I was expecting a full crowd. First one was fine. Four people. Uh, the next one was seven, as somebody from last year's game... Um, came in and was really excited, said she'd pre-ordered it and was able to drag two or three of her friends along. So I had to give them an uh, NPC, actually, to play with. But that was really exciting, as they specifically wanted to play in this again and were asking when the book or the, the, the notes were so that they could run it for their campaign and group. Um, I believe they're part of Rancor's Brothel... Um, either that or they're part of their fandom. I can't get in contact with any of those guys. I've tried to. Uh, then I did a four-person. And then I did a, my first one-on-one RPG session uh, Sunday. Because everybody that was supposed to run for that just showed up when I'm leaving by and handed me their tickets. Except for this one person's like, I'm looking to play a game. Um, so you so, ran a lone wolf Delta Green or what? Yeah, I la- ran a lone wolf Delta Green game. It was actually... Wow. It, well, and funny enough, it might have been the best one because they were way they, there wasn't so many people and they they asked weirder questions. They were the hmm. only people to actually uh, investigate the linguist. Um, if yeah, you you'll, you'll never get second guessed if you're alone. Yeah, so they so they were the only person to investigate the linguist who is actually part of the actually the big bad for the big campaign. So that was interesting to actually get to explore that. All right, uh, you tried spoilers. to run Sauce Man for Tom and uh, his friends. Yeah, I tried to run Sauce Man, but there was a uh, Zweihander game that was. Uh, there were two people in there that wanted to play in it. Zweihander didn't end until after I left at one a.m. Mm-hmm. So that game got canceled. Though I am contacting them through TD to possibly run Sauce Man for technical difficulties and. Um, role-playing exchange here in the next few months. I think, uh, I think Tom Church was like, yeah, I could see how this was interesting or whatever. I can't remember. I can't <laughs> Tom remember seemed really was. tired. I showed it to him. He's like, this looks fine. Yeah, burp, burp, burp. He was... You can tell he was <laughs> tired of uh, I- interacting with people. Um, did the panel. The panel was hectic. Or the seminar. Um had an idea for the thing, it quickly fell apart, because I hadn't had time to write it, and was just generally stressing the hell out because of work and stuff. Um, also, turn- thanks to David for just agreeing to do that, like, I don't know, a couple hours before it happened. Yeah, so we got David, and we got Crazon, and Max showed up for that. Yeah, some other fucker. <laughs> um, that turned out really well, if a little uh, scatterbrain for my taste. 
Um, I'm glad people yeah, enjoyed it. There was only like six people that showed up, but of those six, two of them were cast members, and two of them we ended up sitting and talking to for yeah, an hour yeah. And a we half didn't have afterward. many, but they were very committed and interested in it. So, um, let's see what else. Then, um, I guess the biggest highlight is I bought uh things. I bought I bought the Delta Green Handler book, so I have both of them now. Um, and I found an old reprint. Are they they reprinted a uh? Expeditions of Mesoamerica. It's a game that's got a monster in there I've been dying to find for years, and they finally reprinted it, so I was able to get it. Um, but I ended up playing a game because Delta Green had a, a DG insider thing. Basically, if you ran the campaigns for them, they were going to run a game for you. So I got stuck with Adam Scott Glancy. Um, <laughs> this is a tale... Uh, actually, this is a tale that leads into another kind of fun thing that happened is, so this got organized a month before the actual, um, con happened. Like, hey, you're going to play this game at 930 with Adam Scott Clancy. Great. On Thursday. Thursday rolls around. It's nine o'clock. I go to the, uh, the Arc Dream booth and no one's in there. Uh, Detweiler's there playing his newer version of Wild Talents where he's kind of redesigning... Excuse me? Yes, I meant to mention this to you guys, but I was way... What? Yeah, hey. he's uh, redesigning Wild Talents to be more comprehensive and rules light, so it's not just oh. the schlog of it. Uh, oh, you mean making it... Oh, my. <laughs> uh, yeah, it sounds like it's closer to masks, maybe. It's definitely... Mm -hmm. uh, it's an update of Caribus Club, I believe is what he was saying, and he said that if we were interested to contact him and I've he would let us play test yeah. the shit out of strange it. Faith, oh. yeah. yeah, no, you definitely should. I'd, I'd be interested in checking it out. I can't say i think it's good because i have issues with fate as well but like but yes um we i forgot to say that i'm glad we're doing this recap now because i have uh somebody remind me to email detweiler anyways he was sitting there and 9 30 rolls around and um i uh i was slowly having a slight anxiety attack because i was like oh shit i don't know what's going on uh eventually i called the dg uh the handler that they gave to all the gms and they were all like god damn it yeah you're not the first one uh eventually i just talked to detweiler and he's like yeah let's show we we we, we this is a problem so we walked uh he walked me down to their hotel and for some strange re reason glancy's game is in shane ivy's <laughs> and uh it was Greg Stolze, right? Oh, Greg Stolze was the guy that was uh, doing the um, the the update to Wild Talents. Excuse me. It's Detweiler and um, Ivy's room that we played Glancy's gotcha. game in. And this is the night that they're announcing the innies and all that stuff. So I walk in. It's 10 o'clock and nothing has started. They're sitting there chatting about guns in World War II. You know, as Glancy <laughs> does. Um so Shane shows up. Shane, uh, I meet Shane at his door. Shane leads me back, and it's in the be and it's, it's the bedroom, and then it's back office, and it's like, all right, cool, let's go. Uh, sit down, do a little thing, and then about ten thirty, we start. Uh, we start the game. Uh, realize we win. Show off the uh, or show, realize that Delta Green wins. Uh, shows off the medals, and then about midnight. Uh, I, uh, Shane comes in and goes, hey, how much longer do you have? He's like, oh, about 1.30. And Shane kind of goes, can, can you squish it? Can you squish it? You know, it's like, ah, I can squish the information. I don't think I can squish the time. He's like, all right, well, just just try not to go too long. Um, <laughs> yes, good. Everybody gets the joke already. <laughs> uh, about 1.30 rolls around, 
And uh, Shane comes in because they're exhausted. They've been going all day. They're trying to sleep. This is their room that Glancy is essentially taking over. Uh, we just had combat. And we're about to start combat. He's like, don't worry. Uh, maybe 30 more minutes. They got combat. And then they're done. Combat ends. 2.30 rolls around. And Shane's just <laughs> like, all right, you guys have to go. I'm sorry. You got to go. <laughs> Glancy's like, don't worry. Come on. We just come to the booth tomorrow and we'll debrief you. So we didn't even get a full game in before Glancy had to get kicked, kicked out of someone else's room because he wouldn't you stop know- talking. Shane berated Glancy during the Delta Green panel for that. <laughs> Everyone I talked to was like, "You expect it. Just expect it. It's gonna happen. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, yeah, and that, that led to me getting them to sign all of my Delta Green books, because they were willing to do that. Uh, Playtested WrestleNomicon, uh, which is their card game wrestling Cthulhu thing. It's getting much better. I've playtested it every year. Um... Have I they think, talked any more about your uh, about your Azathoth expansion? Oh, they they actually said they had three or four designs planned for the deck. Um, I don't know if they were based off mine my, my idea specifically, but they are very similar. And um, the one where he just stops you for the entire game until he plays the I win card. Yeah, it's Turbo Fog. I want them to have the Turbo Fog deck, but uh, <laughs> there there was talk the it, it, the game is basically you play a permanent. So where's, where's Russell Nomicon's Lantern Control? Uh, they actually were talking about one of those. So the idea is that one of <laughs> no, them is no. they put a, so the entire game is you play a card at a location and it's got a movement. So it moves a card on the deck. So you move a card first and you placed it technically in the order. Um, one of the later ones. So generally what it is, is the, the ones that they're play testing is King in yellow or Haster or one of the other ones in Cthulhu. Got to have the mainstays. Cthulhu punches you in the face and throws you around. He's basically the rock is what they decided to uh, model him off of. And then the king in yellow is weird, and then it's like, all right, I move everything, or I move things around, and I can do a bunch of weird things that'll win. It's very tempo-y if you play Magic the Gathering. Uh, one I, of the- I do gotta say, not not to interrupt majorly, I just want to say that my favorite name of any of the cards from just a quick glance was the fist in yellow. <laughs> <laughs> um... But yeah, one of the ones that they're talking about is essentially they put it down and then it just shuffles everything on the board. Like, that's the entire deck archetype is just, I I play this card, everything gets shuffled, fuck you. (laughs) How do you win? I don't know. Make them stop playing. So yes, there is a lantern idea. Nice. Um, But yeah, that went well. Uh, Walked around, played the game with Kevin. I enjoyed it. Uh, Very Dead Space um, feeling for me. Um, Really interested in looking into it more. Um, kind of a miffed at the whole asking some design questions and getting kind of shoved off, but whatever. Uh, didn't go to the consignment shop, tried to go on Sunday, didn't realize it wasn't open on Sunday. Um, let's see what else. This is the first time it wasn't, so. Ah, of course it wasn't. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, Travis, the, 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 you can't lose if you do not play. Fair. Um, I think that's everything for me. I didn't go... I, I meant to try and send Sauce Man to somebody at the Chaosium. Uh, <laughs> that didn't that didn't work out because I didn't have time to talk to Chaosium. Just uh, email it. Just just in your thing asking Deadweiler for a playtest, just also throw in the Sauce Man. <laughs> um, I did talk to Deadweiler and basically everybody that runs Unspeakable Oath. They were pretty helpful about letting my anxiety die down about sending in my games as they essentially went yeah if they don't work for us we'll just throw you to Pelgrane they'll they'll publish anything 
So <laughs> wow, <laughs> they were they were a what little a vote of confidence. <laughs> well, it was more of like they, they it was it was we have a brand we have to kind of mold everything we publish and if it doesn't quite fit, Pelgrane is way better <laughs> about being all inclusive and like not generally having a very hard control. Can can you so put, can you put that on the back of the book? <laughs> um, they'll publish anything. They'll publish anything. Um, but yeah, so I have some things I can start doing, and I think in the next couple, uh, next week is when I'm going to finally email Shane about starting to see get this ball rolling and see if it'll publish or not. And then for cosplay, the only one I really remember was I remember seeing I think the Homestucks. I don't remember any of the Chobbits. I think the only one I really remember seeing was Sad Superman. <laughs> what? Because because it, <laughs> it was Justice League Superman, like DC multi or uh, DC expanded oh, okay. universe Superman. But he was sitting there, like flumped over in front of the John Wick Hall when y'all weren't there, flicking through his phone and like had that coffee. But hanging, holding his coffee in that way of like someone that's just like barely hanging on and trying not to cry or like break down. Oh, so no. it was just sad Superman scrolling through his imger or something like that. Cry a lot. Yeah, basically, it, it was that that one stuck stuck with me because I was trying to see if Susan was working and she wasn't and I was just like oh there's sad Superman and I kind of like got fascinated for a couple of minutes watching him uh, and then there was a good Thor one that I saw when I was trying to get meet up with the RPPR that had the uh, that was playing Immigrant Song with him in the full uh, uh, oh, Infinity War got, get up so that was the two ones I remember uh, let's see favorite food uh I ended up going to Steak and Shake. Oh, right. So finally, I was a dumbass. Um, I expected things to happen after the Gen Con. Um, so I scheduled my flight to be at 6 a.m. on Monday. Uh, turns out, Indy shuts the fuck down after Gen Con, and there ain't nothing open. So after Gen Con ended at noon, I walked around for about three hours. That includes a stop at Steak and Shake, walk through the mall, walked at four or five like game stops around the uh, game stores around the area, and like nothing was happening. And I looked at my watch and I realized I still had over twelve hours left. Um, so I immediately took a lift to the airport and asked them if they could uh, find me a flight home before six a.m. And I was able to get home at 11, yeah, by 11, um, t- cost 75 bucks. So my biggest expenditure at Gen Con was a flight home. <laughs> it's better than living at Gen Con. It's better, yeah, or living at the, the, the Indianapolis International Airport for yeah. 12 hours. <laughs> I got, oh, that was another one. Um, these are going to keep popping in my head. As I got there, I still had Crazon's maple syrup, which was delicious. Um, but I was worried because it was a uh, an eighteen ounce container of a suspicious brown fluids from Canada. Um, so I stopped the TSA agent uh, lady doing the the things right before we got in line to take the shoes off and everything. I was like, "So does this look right?" She kind of eyeballs it. She's like, eh, "If it's not, come 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 back to me and pour me a cup, and I'll take a swig of it, and we'll be fine." So, uh, <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, okay. Okay, sure, sure, sure. So I go, and I pack everything up, and I've got all my craft. I've got my cards. I've got my paper. I ended up having the MREs in there. 
are the the excuse me the rations in there and the um and the maple syrup, and I'm like, all right, well, I'm ready to go to the line, I'm ready to get stopped, I'm ready to get checked, I'm ready to have to do it all over again. And nothing happens, no one cares. Um, the guys behind me get pulled for, like, a suspicious bottle of what turned out to be maple syrup, and it just wasn't me that they caught. <laughs> wow. Just like, way to go, TSA, I'm glad I'm white. Security theater. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, that's that's about all I remember. All right. Um, I guess I'll go next, um, with my last veteran experience here. Uh, so let's see. Uh, I ran three games. I ran, actually I ran four games. I forgot about the fourth game I ran. I was so tired. Um, I ran one game of Red Markets for Caleb Stokes, which that, setting that up was an experience. Uh, cause there was a whole, there's, there's a whole like, uh, basically discord for that for organizing that we all filled in our things on a like on a spreadsheet and then we set up our own events and then gen con got back to us and said hey you can't do that you're not allowed to do that the event the the company planner must set all these events so we had to go back to caleb he went and he claimed all the events like claimed all 12 of them edited all 12 of them so they were correct for gen con's approval um, and then we got, uh, let's see, we all got the different playtest packets. Like, uh, one of them we got a month ahead of time. Um, and I got one that I had actually personally playtested a couple of years ago for Laura and, uh, for, yeah, uh, for Laura with my IRL group, uh, which is good cause I didn't have to download anything new. So I just used, uh, the guide, which is, I think it's now the module in the back of the quick start guide. Um, but uh, three days before Gen Con, like Caleb's like, hey, in case somebody played the the module from the Quick Start Guide because we ran it last year, here's another one. Um, so, and it's it's a it's a very much a Caleb Stokes scenario. Um, it's it's about it, it was made as human readable as it could be in the time fashion, but it's got like a giant flowchart in it for investigating. And there's just a bunch of stuff that, like, is not explained. So, I've, uh, it's like one of the things is, like, if they do this, a hippo attacks. Um, so I ask on the thing, like, uh, hey, it says hippo attacks here. What's the stats for a hippo? And he's like, they get out or they die. That's it. Hippos do infinite damage in red markets. I'm like, all right. That's I... pretty much true to life. Yeah, it's just one of these things, like, folks. red markets does, if you look in the red markets book, it does have stats for an elephant. In case that comes up, so I wasn't sure to be if fair, a hippo hippos had are much stats. more dangerous than elephants. Hey, there was that really huh. cool uh, scene from Last of Us with the giraffes. Yeah, that was a great scene. That's that worth scene. an emulation. Yeah, that's um, the, that, that encounter is that encounter is animals escape from the zoo, and it's got what what flavor of this do you want? Here's four different kinds of animals. I will say, literally yesterday, I did see a post on Twitter that just showed. Uh, or maybe it was on someone linked it on Discord. Either way, it was of a hippo moving through uh, water, and it was it was moving fast enough to catch up with a jet ski. So, like hippos are scary. Yeah, and that was basically the thing he says. Like it'll kill you if you stay in the water. It it will stay in the water if you leave. <laughs> hey, Steve Irwin believed that else, hippos so. were the most dangerous animal. Uh, but fortunately, I didn't have to end up using that scenario because I didn't have time to play test it with any other group or kind of prep it or have to think about anything else. Um, I ran a session of that for Charlotte and Sam and another one of their friends who I I can't remember who else now. Um, oh, yeah, Isaac. OK, yeah. One of Sam's friends, I think. Um, 
But yeah, and I learned enough stuff there that I was able to make a better game when I ran to, when I went to Gen Con. Um, that game's up on the site now. You can listen to it. Um, but some highlights include uh, the party. Uh, just uh, there's a there's an encounter in there. I included a content warning because there is like violence against children. Um, but there's a there's an encounter in there where you encounter a, a family of archivists who are friendly and then and seem to offer you stuff and maybe be suspicious. And if you go around behind like the library that they're guarding, then you find a bunch of bodies. Then if you ask them, you find out that they killed those people because they were burning books. Um, but the players just found the pile of bodies, immediately suspected the archivists, uh, did not ask any questions, just ran up. And this is a family with kids. Like one of them just runs up, like caps the dad in the knee, shoots the mom. And then it's like, uh, and then did just say like, we're not going to, we're not going to kill children, but we're, we, we very much can. Player characters. <laughs> um, and so then they ended up having to. <laughs> They ended up having to babysit the kids going to the job site. It's like, all right, so you have two armed children. It's like, oh, we're not giving them guns. All right, you have two unarmed children you're taking to a hot zone. Uh, we'll give them a... They got a knife and an axe. They, we'll give them that. All right, you have two modestly armed children with you. I, I understand um, your pain. Modestly armed children who intensely <laughs> resent you. In two out of the four games I ran for 7C, the detective opened the casket during a funeral to see if there was a body in it. <laughs> well so i ended up like I, my favorite thing was like so the one of the, the the main guy who shot the dad um was like all right you guys go secure the mall that you have to go to i'm gonna like make sure these kids are safe and so goes off to like there's a taco bell in the parking lot so he's gonna start like clearing out casualties and building a barricade and he's gonna guard the kids while everybody else does the job um and so it's like, and then it was just this confluence of just like terrible things all happened at once. So it's like, all right, you see the casualties, make a shooting roll. Oh, crit fail. All right, your gun jams. Make an awareness test. Oh, you failed. All right, you feel an axe biting into your knee. Um, and then, yeah. And so this guy is getting murdered by the kids because, you know, he killed their dad. Um, and so then the rest of the party sees this because they're on the tactical network. And just like, so on top of that, like the medic goes out, cracks chooses flight leaves the scenario basically <laughs> and then the other guy doesn't have doesn't have a functioning leg um even though he does end up fending off the children with his like by beating them with his gun basically <laughs> um and then he ends up getting blown away the medic leaves there's the Leighton in the group uh who had who had multiple like had three weapons had a firearm and like two melee weapons um, they ended up encountering some humans and I'm like, all right, they're like, you're charging out there. They're going to shoot at you and take behind, take cover. And he starts moving around and it's like, all right, you, you're in range to attack one of them. He's like, I'm going to lick him. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, you have weapon. No, I'm going to lick him. That's, I want to turn him into a zombie. And, uh, yeah. So a man, uh, running out and wrestling and licking, uh, trying, trying to lick three people armed with assault weapons turned out about how you expected. That's a con game for you. And in the best situation, they would have torn him apart anyway. He would have just succeeded in making them into a zombie later, but not right now. Yeah. Well, and then, and within a couple hours, they would turn into, like, fast zombies that would rip you limb from limb. <laughs> he did kill one of them. He used one of them as a human shield, and he got shot by one of his buddies. Um, and Details. Then, and then his buddies, you know, like, blew him away with, like, automatic fire. Um, and then the other two guys also cracked. Like, everybody that survived cracked in something. Um, and yeah, and then I, I uh, got to have, 
I'm like, all right, I didn't expect people would die. Uh, who wants to deliver messages to the next of kin? <laughs> uh so that was that that was that was that game that was a that was an experience um that's the most fatalities i've ever had in a game so hooray uh then i ran goblin i ran kings of the rings and i ran the spirit of goblin day i ran that one 5 p.m on saturday and um i almost didn't have i almost left because all my all the players for the game were at a different like we're at a different table because like nobody knew how to read the signs for the rooms um, but the game, the King of the Rings game, I had three players there. I saw the three players signed up on Gen Con or on the Gen Con website. So I'm like, all right, this is who I have. And so I'm like, I let Max in cause there were three players and I let, I think Crazon and one of his friends in. And then some other guy, like I was like, all right, this is Goblin. And the guy sitting at another table walks over like, oh, this is where Goblin is. Oh, my three friends are outside. <laughs> so I ended up running it for like seven players. Um, because uh, Goblin, Goblin's a game where more chaos is a good thing, honestly. And, uh, Max, was this your first time playing Goblin? Had you played it with Greg previously? I very specifically avoided playing it with Greg because I wanted to get an opinion of it without, you know, like, my friendship for Greg getting in the way. Sure, yeah. And so Max played the Wooly and uh, picked, uh, stuck within the confines of the rules of the Wooly and that you can only <laughs> say so many words, but picked, like, really, like, listen words. Listen, I only picked two esoteric words, and they worked. Yeah, I, the only one I can I remember is Kismet, and there was one other one you only said economics, once. Economics, and I said it twice. <laughs> right, economics. To be fair, economics would have been in my first pick. That's not esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was a, that was a good game. <laughs> the, the last Kevin, your suggestion with using it is the... <laughs> If someone asks you, like, why can you understand all the words we say, but only, like, say, like, seven or so words, you just shrug and go, economics. Yep. <laughs> um, the last 20 or so minutes of that game got cut off, but I, uh, when I post it up, I'll throw in, I have, like, a five-minute wrap-up of how the game ended. Because uh, I didn't have my, I didn't have my Zoom plugged into my external battery, which I did for every other game on the con. Um, then there was the Monsters game at 10 a.m. That was, uh, that was Nightly Harbor. Um, which, uh, people always like that one. Um, I can run it pretty reliably every year. At this point, I can more or less run it in my sleep, uh, just because I've run it six times. Uh, and then I ran Spirit of Goblin Day, which I started by, uh, the players walked over and, like, I was about to leave, but thankfully they walked over and like, oh, this is where the game is. Uh, cool. Oh yeah, that was the other thing at the, at King of the Rings. Um, because it was, like, the first day and Will Call was fucking long, like, the people didn't people didn't have their tickets and they didn't have generic tickets um so i'm like all right well i'll just i'll just eat a loss on that and the guy's like well how much is it and like uh, it's, it's it's like four bucks for a ticket or whatever the stock price is and so one of the guys just reaches into his wallet hands me eight dollars for him and his friend <laughs> um i did not ask them to do that they just did it of their own accord uh yeah so that was that was a fun little thing but uh spirit of goblin day is a very very open-ended scenario um, I'm glad I play tested it with, uh, Charlotte and Sam, and there was one other friend that played the, they're not, uh, Charlotte and, uh, Charlotte and, uh, Marquez and another friend. Um, it's really open-ended. I ran it at 5 o'clock, 5 p.m. on Saturday, because I assumed this is when people would be the drunkest, which is when, which is what would make it the best. Um, and I was so tired, I forgot to collect tickets. Oh. <laughs> um, but like whatever, like my badge was comped and I don't have any other expenses for Gen Con to really reimburse, so I don't mind. Um, but yeah, that we had a lot of fun with that game. Uh people really uh I uh, people once I started giving out goblin greatness for people doing stupid things, the game got interesting. 
And then as the game went on, I handed out less goblin greatness to just really ramp up the Skinner box of stupidity. Um, but yeah, we had a we had a lot of fun there. There was another Wooly who um, I think Gre- Greg listened to both of those and he said that Max and the other guy played opposite ends of how you can play the Wooly. The one of them, uh, Max's, was trying to make a concerted effort to construct like meaningful things out of the limited number of words he had, and the other Wooly was just like slapping together words, and everybody else just like, "Yep, uh, like yeah, stupid, like stupid socks, stupid socks, indeed, man." <laughs> Or something like that. Um, that is fair. I definitely tried to make mine seem like they could have been approximately a sentence at any given point in time. I know the one you said the most is stupid meat. That was, pr- I mean, that's, that describes a lot of situations in Goblin, let's be real here. <laughs> Basically. Um, and yeah, uh, so let's see, some demo, uh, some games we played. Uh, we played Tales of Arabian Nights. I'm not going to say much about that because it's probably going to be going up soon if it's not up already by the time this is posted. Um, but that was a that was a fun game. Always drink the fire. Drink the fire. Uh, it was a fire. fun game, drink but like the fire. less of a game than an experience. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a it's a fun storytelling adventure. It's an interactive experience still, so there definitely yeah. is and choices. I it. It, it, was, it was definitely not a bad thing. I enjoyed doing it, yeah, the, but it was it was more experience it, than games. It has dice and Max and managed pieces. to clutch out a win right at the end. <laughs> yeah, I had I had to make the gamble. Um, but yeah, so that was a that was interesting. Stay tuned for that or listen to it. Um, and then at the R, uh, at the RPPR like meetups, I think I only ended up going to one of them because I played a I played in a session of 10k. Um, that just kind of sprung up um, that was run by Sean Ferris, who's, I think, informally part of RPX now, um, which was uh, he he started by saying, I finished writing this scenario right now. So um, that was that was an interesting game. Uh, so stay tuned for that on, I think, Tech Diff. I think Greg Bennett recorded it. So it'll be up on Tech Diff eventually. Um and at uh, some point, uh, the Drunk and Ugly has its hat in the 10K Flakes ring because I've started finally. I'm finally able to sync up with them, so I'm running games. But yeah, so that was that was an experience. Um, then uh, uh, at the RPPR gaming meetup, um, I got to finally bust out Laser Riders and I got to bust out Root um, with more than two players and with better understanding of the rules. Uh, so... I played it uh, the, for the first night with Susan in our hotel room, and James went through the. James uh, helped us kind of break down how the how the game worked at its core. We definitely did a lot of things wrong in our first playthrough of the game, but it was we, we, uh, we did got things the wrong in later it. playthroughs of the games. It's just a complicated game. <laughs> yeah, well, it was one of these things like we didn't understand that everything had to be crafted. Um, and so we ended up talk. I I ended up going to the root booth the next day, and I got to ask the creator a bunch of questions about the game. <laughs> Namely, I got to ask a bunch of rules questions. And one of the things that he ended with was like, "Remember that the law of root is prescriptive. If a law, if the rule doesn't say specifically you cannot do it, then you can." Um, and if you ever want to bug him, on, if you ever want to bug him on Twitter, you can just tweet at Letter Games uh, rules about root. <laughs> And just rules questions and they'll answer them just because people keep bugging them all the time <laughs> um so let's see uh so root is roots fun i want to have a, i want to put it up on the youtube at some point we'll get a we'll get a big enough group we'll do a chaotic six-player game on tabletop sim it'll be fantastic um and then i yeah i played laser riders with max and sean um 
So that was Max's first experience with laser riders. Um, it was neat but frustrating. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's yeah, it's fun. Uh, I think I only ever play it once at a con because like once you play it once, you kind of got the whole experience. Yeah, fair. Um, and you only can ever play it at cons because you need a round. Uh, you need a, a round uh banquet hall style table to really play it well. Uh, let's see. And then uh, in the demo hall. Um, I played That's Not Lemonade, which is basically, uh, basically it's just blackjack. Um, you're trying to get, you're trying to get lemon cards without, but if you, if you, you can keep asking for hits to get more lemon cards, but if you get a card that is specifically That's Not Lemonade, then you lose. Um, and you, you hit by, you have a little tiny little solo cup that you tap on the table. And when you're done hitting, then you flip it over. Um, and one of the guys is saying, like, people have also, like, people have also turned this into a drinking game. So if you want to turn this game for, like, 10, 10 plus kids into a drinking game, it's very possible. Um, he seemed very tired by the time we, by the time I got to him. And then I found somebody who was giving a basic demo of the prototype of Space Unicorn in the Battle Over Cupcake Mountain, which is a game inspired by the, uh, by the, the compiled song library of Perry Grip, or, um... Yeah, Perry Grip, who does such, who's, who's famous for such songs as uh, Chimpanzee on a Segway, uh, Young Girl Talking About Herself, Space Unicorn, uh, Neon Pegasus, um, just a, uh, now just does a lot of ads. If you've listened to his stuff, you can see how they would turn into jingles very well. Um, I don't know a lot about the game, but I got a business card, so I'm going to follow, I'm following the campaign, so I'll find out more about it. It, it was, it, it seemed like more of a, more of an experience than anything else it had a giant cupcake that you put slots in you put slots into that allowed you to climb to the top and do battle with the final boss which is all of the characters are something from a Perry grip song and the final boss is some other kind of thing from a Perry grip song um and uh yeah max and i demoed uh new york slice the pizza game yeah that one was all right like it's not something i would have bought but like it was was like yeah it was a weird it was it was a fun little trick game i guess um, where you can either try to have the most pizza, most of a kind of pizza, and that gets you points. Or if you don't think you're going to have that, then you can eat the pizza, which you discard it, but you get as many points as there are pepperonis on it. But if you um, leave them face up, you lose points for anchovies, unless you happen to get, like, the special effects that help you get points, such as liking anchovies. Yeah, that's the thing, is one person deals the pe- one one person deals and slices the pizza, and then the person they're left is the first person that gets to take a pizza. Um, yeah, so you have to cut it and everyone else gets to pick first. So you get, you basically try and make slices that are advantageous eventually for you, like things that appeal to other people, but not in ways that are more useful for them than for you. Yeah. And then, um, what is it? And then, uh, Max and Charlotte and I, um, when we were in dealer hall, I got a quick demo of Ice Cool. Yeah, Yeah, that was was the one I was going to talk about. That game rules. (laughs) I actually want to own that game. Yeah, I don't think it's... I, I haven't looked it up. It was sold out, I think, when we were there. Um, no, they had, they had a ton of boxes. They were about again. to sell out. When we yeah, they were, were about to sell out. I just didn't no, have they, space to they take were about to, to sell out of one of the expansions. They had the well, it was High School of... 1 and High School 2. Yeah, yeah it was High School I, 2 they were running out of. They had High School 1. Also, if you're not sure if we're saying High School or High School, um, that's, that's, the that's the point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you're penguins in a, in, a, in a giant building made of ice, but you also have hall passes. Um 
uh, yeah, it's an interesting little dexterity game. There's a you can see a basic like concept demo of it. It's if you see people who who are very good at playing it, playing it, it's like insane to it's, watch. Yeah, it's it's upsetting watching people who are really good. <laughs> like I know I know even um I know even Max watching the uh, watching just the guy who is demoing the game like bouncing a piece over a wall to yeah. get into well, somewhere else. I didn't even else. think of that as conceptually like being like doable with the physics of the pieces until I saw him do it and was like, oh. Yeah. So I guess for any, for a basic primer, it's, you have these little like pieces that are like weeble wobblers or like tops. They're yeah, kind they're of weighted shaped, like, at the penguins. bottom. And you move them across the board by flicking them. And that's got, mul- that's got multiple tiers of play by like, you can just flick the piece and send it in a straight line. And you're trying to send them through doors to collect flags. So you can like try in weird angles, or you can even try to get curves off. Yeah, so you can you if you flick the piece at the side, then it'll then you get a little bit of top spin, and it'll curve around and go through doors in different ways. If you flick it on the if you flick the top of it, then it'll bounce and it can go over walls. And, and that's completely on, legal. Yeah, and on top of that, the 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 board is like reconfigurable because the board is just a bunch of boxes, and some of the modes actually allow you to reconfigure the board every turn. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, so and it's like uh, it's basically playing tag through this weird weeble flicking method. Yeah, we all lost because the other guy was the hall monitor and took all our. And he was passes. very good. Yeah, he was very good. <laughs> and we were very bad. Yeah, it's like we were playing the game for the first time or something. Yeah, <laughs> I remember he said like when he flicked the piece over the wall, it's like I just figured out how to do that yesterday. I've been practicing it a lot. And he was just like, listen, if you just need to see the creator do it, he like flicked it like three rooms over once with the jump. Yeah. So I'll put the video of the demo. I'll put a link to the video of the demo in the in the show notes for this. Um, and let's see. But yeah, uh, I might actually buy that game at some point. That game was really good. Yeah, that's a game that I don't think you, that's a, that's another game that you can't really do on tabletop sim just because oh, it's, it's heavily There's a physics based. On tabletop, but I won't do the physics correctly. Yeah, we played. We saw how tabletop handles physics when we played mini golf. To be fair, though, that's that's funny physics and is never intended to be played properly. Whereas this is intended to be played with real physics. Yeah. Um, and then what is it? Max and I both demoed the Transformers game. Um, which, yeah, I, it wasn't a good demo. The game might be OK, but the demo the game, sucked ass. I think we uh, also like the greater story. There is us trying to figure out where the fuck that was because we yeah, knew... they didn't explain it very well. There's a lot of areas labeled concord like crossroad concourse there. Yeah. So we were going through the dealer's hall trying to find it. And then it wasn't anywhere in the dealer's halls. So then we found out. Yeah, it's like in the it's in the hallway next to the dealer's hall. But there's like an upstairs section that is also labeled the Crossroads Concourse, and it's not even all that close to that bit. Yeah, and there that's where all the arts and crafts stuff was, we found out. Um, this is also my first year, this is my first year going to the consignment auction, which I had never known about before, um, and getting that's things That's where you got for, Franklin. Huh? Yeah, that's, that's where I got, got Franklin Goes to School, the game. I almost bought uh, the chess set drinking game, um, not necessarily for that, but like, I don't know. I'd like to... 32 shot glasses for $5 seems like a deal. <laughs> yeah, plus you got a game if you want it. Yeah, plus I get a, plus I got a chessboard. <laughs> um, and... Uh, is that all of my... Oh, yeah. Um, we... Uh, Charlotte and Max and Travis and I also went to the, the first of the tabletop gaming panels. I can't remember what it was called. And that's uh, Gamer, G-A-Y-M-E-R. Oh, um, Queer is a... Three-sided die. Was it queer as a three-sided die? Okay. 
uh, we didn't stay for the whole of that because we wanted to get lunch, and it was we found out it was a two-hour panel when we stepped in. Um, so we left as Q and A started. I remember the um, they had a lot of interesting stories. I think they're they're gonna post that up for posterity. I don't know where. I don't know where they post their content. You can just probably Google it all the time. Yeah, or tabletopgamers.org or something like that. Um, I remember that the moderator was somebody who was an experienced moderator and was taking shit from nobody. Yeah. <laughs> to the point when someone tried to ask the question, he's like, no, shut up. And then the guy <laughs> fucking left. Oh, he was, he was, well, he, uh, he was raising his hand, which I think he wanted to, like, contribute to something, but even then, it's not your panel, dude. Um, yeah, that's not how panels Yeah, there, so that was one of the things. She said, there will be Q&A later on. Note specifically that we're asking for cues to A, if you have a comment, we if you have a comment, you will be asked to leave. We don't want comments, we want questions. And then, yeah, so he just raised up his hand at one point midway after someone said something, and just like, sir, put your hand down. We're not doing that till later. Sir, put your hand, and he kept on like trying to talk and she's like no no stop no <laughs> that is not happening it's like a mom with an annoying five-year-old basically, <laughs> basically. yeah <laughs> to be um, fair annoying five-year-old can describe most of the people at a panel yeah i think la- was it last year when susan witnessed a fist fight in will call <laughs> what because <laughs> somebody cut <laughs> line <laughs> wow and then both those people got Amazing. ejected um but yeah, so uh, I like I like that panel. Um, there were a lot of stories in there from uh, one person who works as a sensitivity reader saying that she was uh, called on from some guy who uh, was really trying to be progressive and stuff, but by having a uh, <laughs> by having a, a trans woman in his game, and uh, I think story was it? it was a story, if I remember correctly. Was it a story? Okay. Yeah, he was trying to, uh, it was trying to be progressive because it was a female and trans person, but it was just a a dick girl. Garbage. It was just a dick girl curing somebody with the power of her sexy dick. Also, the the person was implied to be demonic. Hashtag problematic. There's a lot of problems there, and worst of all, like, no, it, it's a mix of both of what you said. It was it was a game, but it was like a heavy-handed story supposed to be happening during the game. Yeah, and she's talking like, no, this is this is the worst. You need to remove this. And the guy was like fighting with her. <laughs> it was so bad. Uh, but yeah, if if I find the link to that, I'll put it in the show notes if they've got it posted already. Um, and then yeah, I was on Bridget's panel. I'll post a link to that when it goes live. Um, Ross has not, Ross does not know when it's going live, so I'll find out. Um, I know that the big thing in there was, uh, man, I can't even remember what this part was now, but, um, I know, uh, David had a, David had a a story about being the change you want to see in the world. Um, talking about like, uh, he used to play the Pokemon trading card game. And naturally when you play that, you're playing it with children. And he was being very friendly with the children and teaching them proper table etiquette and all that stuff. And uh, parents at the game store asked him to leave because they were creeped out. And so he said, like, I went home that night and I cried into a pint of Haagen-Dazs. And then, but then years later at other game stores um, that I wasn't banned from, I met them and I found that they were practicing good table etiquette and all the manners. And they recognized me because uh, I'm very recognizable. <laughs> um, 
and I learned that like, yeah, I had made, I had made a difference. I had made a difference in their lives. And that's when I, uh, that's when I realized that like slowly, but surely we can change the world. And, uh, who wants, who wants to change the world with me and like raised his hand and like had other people raise their hands. And then Bridget looks over to me and is like, you have anything to contribute? Like nothing that can follow that. Uh, but yeah, uh, I was, um, people told me I did well on that panel. I, did not feel like it did but i'll take <laughs> other people's uh, i'll take other people's opinions over mine good so did, you uh, were fine. yeah that was um i'm trying to think about any other I, I can't remember any other particular con experience i had aside from eating like uh we went to ram which as we do every year uh we had burgers travis had nachos because he had to leave right away um and to be fair, those nachos were also sick uh, I think there was some day where I ate a frozen Philly cheesesteak sandwich for breakfast. Oh, no. Uh, it was better than I figured it would be. It's vending machine quality. Uh, and yeah, that was my that was my Gen Con. So, uh, Max, uh, this, Yo, is your first, this is your first Gen Con and your first con in general, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually haven't been to any like, proper cons before. Babby's first con. I know. Just I'm diving in... right into the deep end. Yeah. <laughs> I'm tiny bib. Um... Yeah, no, it was a it was a case of, in general, with the idea of a con, I've always been interested with um, going to one. But uh, as I've mentioned a number of times, to go to a con, you normally either need a surplus of friends or money. <laughs> and in the case for most of my life, this was neither of those were applicable. Um, but in the case of this one, uh, there was a little bit of both in that I had extra funds exist, uh, poking around from a few sources. And, uh, you know, I've kept hearing stories all the time of uh, drunk and ugly groups roaming out there and doing stuff. Not not related to the podcast, just drunk and ugly group. No, but um, yeah, so I, I was interested in going all these different times. And this time, since I had the extra money around, I was like, you know, fuck it, whatever, I'll go do it. And, you know, I had to actually pay for a flight out there and all the other issues that that would involve. Also helps uh, that we've learned how to cheese the system by lying about being <laughs> the reporting systems for free. I mean, we're, 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 we're doing our press thing right, right here. Literally we're reporting literally right, doing now. It right now. <laughs> we, we, on both of the networks in which we applied for press badges, we did press stuff. <laughs> Anyways, continue. I mean, I'm not saying it's the highest quality news, but we're definitely doing it. Um, either way, yeah, so it was it was rather spendy, but um, 100% worth it, I'd say. Um, it was an excellent time. Uh, I mean, really the most standout thing of all of it, I'm just going to say right at the get-go, was uh, meeting all you folks. It was something I'd been looking forward to for quite some time, and it felt incredibly natural and was one of the most charming experiences I had. Um, it was good but, to meet you, too. Uh, uh, but in general, it was a, it was a neat occasion. Um, I don't fly very often. Like, I, I've flown on planes, like, uh, less than... I, I could have counted the number of flights in my hands before, basically, <laughs> that I've had in my lifetime. Um, so this was uh, one of the only trips I've done that alone for, and, you know, larger scale, but it was fine. Uh, ended up getting out there. Indianapolis, cool city, at least from the downtown area. Um, Gen Con itself is... A baffling amount of people to be around, not just in like quantity and crowd of it, but there was a point, I think it was at the night of the first actual con day when we were out getting pizza and we were grabbing the pizza from the uh, from a place we had ordered it from. 
and we walk in and there's a guy walking uh, like got pizza in his hands a pizza box in his hands and he's talking to someone else in there about the exploits of an rpg group that he had played with at at gen con and the situations like of how they read situations and reacted to things i was just like the fuck this is not a niche thing to hear here huh <laughs> this is just what people talk about right now which was really surreal um but, uh, yeah, let's see, uh, standout things, um, other than meeting, uh, you folks, uh, definitely got to enjoy some of the interesting game experiences, uh, Deep Madness was engaging and fascinating, it was definitely one where we had to rush in ahead of time to, uh, set up an actual demo time, because of it being a longer-term demo, like, you know, it took an hour and a half or something for us to play through what we did, and we didn't, still didn't finish it, um. Yeah, I felt bad for that woman behind us. Yeah, but, I mean, this is gonna happen to someone no matter what, right? Yeah. Um. And there was a lot of just being fascinated about the place. I explored a lot of the dealer hall, saw a lot of cool games. We've mentioned some of the ones that I actually uh, played the demos of. I was incredibly tempted to buy uh, sets for Malifaux since Weird Games is one of the bigger um, setup sections there. Uh, I didn't end up doing that because I realized pretty reasonably that I don't know anyone else who plays Malifaux, so I just have kind of cool figures sitting in my house, and that's no good. I remember you also being frustrated by finding a drop mix ad and not finding anything related to so drop mad. mix. I was so mad. <laughs> yeah, because drop mix is great. Drop mix is super good. And they had a big ad for it at one spot. And it was nowhere near anything related to drop mix. And I could not find anything even sort of drop mix related at it other than that one ad. It was so frustrating. <laughs> um... In the end, from the floor, I only made, like, two real big purchases. Got some incredibly pretty over-the-top dice that I have already used plenty of. Um, and uh, the new Warhammer 40k system that is uh, was kind of bought on a lark just because I've played, you know, most of the uh, Fantasy Flight ones. Um, and this being the first one that isn't them, but it encompasses a lot and seems pretty okay. So we'll see if I do anything with that in the future. Yeah, um, I, think, I think moving away from the Fantasy Flight warhammer mechanics is probably a good thing because that system is uh clunky Dense. let's say <laughs> it is a brick which is not to say a bad brick a brick is a serviceable object it, it is gets just a, a brick. it becomes a better brick over time let's say there's so many rules conversions to the most recent brick <laughs> um yeah, attended a handful of panels. I mean, most of my experience here, both being new to Gen Con and being new to cons in general, and also ha wanting to spend time with uh, cool people, was I basically just latched on to whoever was free at the moment in time and just kind of following along with them and seeing what was happening. Um, but that really ended up working in my favor. I went to some uh, panels I probably wouldn't have gone to either, uh, most of which were pretty in engaging and interesting. Um, uh, met a, met a few not podcast related people that I knew, um, through, uh, I mean, th I know them because of the podcast scene, but less because of them being in the same podcast as me, <laughs> um, such as, uh, Greg from Technical Difficulties, uh, one of our dedicated listeners, and also person that you've guested on the show of a lot, uh, Chris, also known as Crazon, also known as Review Cultist, um, also known as that... Also known as that fucking Canadian. <laughs> also known as the guy who supplies us with maple syrup. Um, yeah, syrup smuggler. Played in uh, a couple free offered games. One from uh, Matt, one from Travis. 
Um, had a pretty solid time with that and really got interested in the idea of just, you know, having seen people playing in Gen Con games for the most part, even if people aren't perfect players, they're all there to have a good time and very into the particip participation part of it for the most part. And so that's really encouraged me to uh, next year probably actually GM some games there, as well as helping out in the uh, panel that Travis did, even though I am not at all an expert on the subject. Uh... I had a surprising amount of thoughts that I wanted to put out, and it made me realize that I was really interested in the idea of doing things like panels. So, assuming I'm able to save up enough money for a trip this next time, which I'm intending to, especially hearing from members of the podcast who didn't attend this year, expecting to attend next year, um, I am uh, go I'm going to attempt to save up and run panels and, and or games next year. Um, Probably, uh, let's see, uh, had a lot of interesting foods there. Uh, best one was the one spendy one going out to Mikado, the Japanese restaurant with, uh, <laughs> yeah, Charlotte we drank the, the jello sake. We, yeah, there was uh, this the sparkling peach jello sake that was the weirdest thing because when I heard that it was jello, we at first just assumed that was going to be some weird descriptor of the flavor, like maybe a misnomer or, and, or come in jello shot format. One of the two. But no, we it was a can. Was a can. And so we got the can and it was like, okay, this is a tiny little thing, a sake, that's kind of cute. And then drink out the top of it, you know, got some like okay tasting liquid and then tried to drink more. And all of a sudden there was just like a <laughs> inside. I'm like, what? Yeah, you go, wait, where did all the sake go? <laughs> Turns out on the front of the can it says before serving chilled, shake for like 20 seconds. And it's because it makes the jello right there inside the can. Which you kind of have to, like, squeeze the can and suck out because it's only got a regular, like, soda can opening to it. <laughs> but, like, it was so good. So kept extruding jello and, yeah. and sake in equal amounts. <laughs> and that was the one day I chose to wear lipstick and it was completely ruined after that sake experience. Man, I forgot about that place. We also got a, what is it? We got squid and... Yeah, we got this, like, interesting... We got grilled squid, we got a thing of gyoza, and we got a, like, sampling plate of sushi. And it was just, it was just nice. We shared, we split between and had a kind of eight family style. It was well, it was well made, a little bit spendy, but I think it was definitely worth the experience. Yeah. For sure. It was definitely worth the experience of sucking jello out of a can. <laughs> out of an aluminum can. I would have that again, though. That stuff was good. It was good, yeah. It was like, yeah. It was a chunky peach soda. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, played a handful of games. I think basically all of them have been mentioned so far, though. I didn't really play any demos that didn't come up at this point in time. Um, let's see. Uh, probably what stands out as being one of the coolest experiences, even though it came up, uh, was immediately after eating at Mikado is when... Um, I went with Charlotte to meet up with two of her friends to run that D&D &D game that was mentioned earlier on, um, which was, like, a one-off I had prepared and had offered, but, like, I didn't anticipate nest Like, I didn't know how busy cons were. Again, I had not had con experience. Yeah, you brought your Switch and, like, your arcade fight stick because oh, we were going to try and play Skullgirls at some point. To be point. fair, the Switch was not about that. The Switch is for the plane. Okay. I keep the Switch for the plane. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, I was just thinking, like, oh, we might play Skullgirls at one point. I'll bring my fight pad. And it's like, no, there was never time to play Skullgirls. Um, but so, uh, yeah, just heading out to uh, the, uh, I think it was 
I think it was at the JW Marriott. We just grabbed like a circular yeah. table up there. And then, you know, it was, it was calmer because it was later in the evening, but there's still constantly people passing by, other people playing games. So we had to like talk somewhat loudly to hear each other. And just like the one, uh, like notebook pages of paper and one computer and just like everyone just like throwing things down quickly, making impromptu character sheets. It was the most punk game of d and I've ever done and it ruled. Yeah, it kind of worked because yeah. you also had like, what, 20 pregens already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had well, made a pregen for every character class before with Charlene. <laughs> we worked out some stuff. Um, but yeah, it was it was uh, a, an incredibly memorable experience. It was just in- impromptu and it, it ruled. And we should finish that game. I, I genuinely so want to finish know it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Other than that, I don't think I have too much. I did, wasn't responsible for a lot. I didn't run anything of any sort other than being part of that panel yeah, you and playing came in, two games. You came in very late with a uh, on a press badge because uh, we still had one left over. Yeah, which uh, which worked out pretty. Like, I, I basically I submitted it literally the day after you were supposed to not get like preemptive confirmation, and I was like, oh no, that's unfortunate. I kind of just have to go and hope that it's there. But then like a week before, they still got it through and gave it like, oh yeah, you could you you get the confirmation. I'm like, oh shoot. <laughs> um, and a thing. Uh, let's. Any other things I have aren't specifically con related. I did some fun things when meeting up with uh, the Colmars in Cincinnati, but that's not specifically related to the con, like the the weird ghost mall and the the police stop police training. <laughs> Don't enter police training to the empty like warehouse chamber. That, that um, was a media play. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's uh, that's most of my experience. Just going through crowded dealer halls, pointing out anime t- uh, titties, uh, <laughs> buying dice, having a good time. It was it was really excellent and probably one of my favorite uh, experiences in my adult life. And I really hope to attend next year. That's good to hear. Yay! All right, and um, yeah, I guess until next year. Um, yeah, I've gotten know. I've gotten the idea that uh, Axe, Greg, and Josh all want to go next year. Oh, sure. Oh, God. Oh, my God. Which Greg? Oh, right, our Greg. Oh, we're actually like, going to meet Axe. There's three Gregs, and we're going to see Axe? I don't believe this. Yeah, he actually was like, after I mentioned it, like, yeah, yeah, Greg wanted to go because he's probably going to have Goblin done, then he wants to promote it then. Uh, and then Axe is like, man, uh, and I talked about how good I had a time at it, and Axe is like, I should probably end up going now that I have a job that, like, uh, allows me to have time. Yeah, holy Damn. shit. That'd be awesome. I expect yeah. I'm probably going to die in the car right up person. there. <laughs> or he's because... going to kill us all just because we've, <laughs> we've seen him and then we die as he kills us all because he can't be he can't be known <laughs> to the universe. His true form is unknowable. Also, I guess uh, also shout out to Susan for being the hotel wizard. Yeah. Yeah. The everything she's wizard. incredibly good at managing that, has always been good at that. Um, she set up a lot of stuff. Prior to Susan coming and wanting to be close to the place, we always just got like uh like a downtown like holiday inn or something and just took the shuttle or the or, or, or a lift yeah, yeah or a lift because depending on the day the one of those would be cheaper than the other uh susan's already headed out from this recording but uh yeah more more shout outs to her the better she just put in a lot of work and made this uh incredibly easy for everyone so but now that we have Less. the party size that we have like we can get a room close to the campus that, like a, we, we can pick up like a three-room suite because we have enough people to justify that yeah no that'd be great do we uh i guess before we go do we have any plans for next year's like solid plans outside of crazy new 
people joining. I, I intend I to, we... instead of getting the news badge, to uh, actually get an Arc Dream one by running enough monsters games, <laughs> They I are think. so simple. Just with, they'll, they'll call for games and just be like, yo, four games, go. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I'm just going to run four monsters games, so... Yeah, I wonder if they still do that because they've been shifting away I from mean, monsters. What but the one well, guy? I, there was one Arc Dream Monsters game I saw. One, so. the one, uh, the one guy ran two Delta Green and two monsters. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Oh, that was a uh, that was a guy from RPPR. Yeah, I know he's a guy from Puppet RPPR, guy. but I don't know RPPR very well to oh, recognize uh, name. Thad. It was Thad. Yeah, I sat in yeah, chat with him. Um. um yeah. Th- so. I yeah, think so that's next year my 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 biggest goal is I actually am going to try and run the Storage Wars campaign. So just Ooh. like every single day will be one of the campaigns, and it will be closed off, so it'll only be like four players. You can run a game for Glancy, and we'll kick you out after a certain <laughs> time. <laughs> God, um, I don't know what that'll be like. Uh, yeah, and then if I get a PhD, if I'm in a PhD program, I might do a, uh, a panel, but if I'm not, I'm just gonna hop on you guys's or whoever has yeah, a we'll panel. Yeah, I've, al- I've also been thinking about certain types of panels, and like, I- again, I, w- I was really excited by this one, it's good I came in with no ideas, but this next one I have too many ideas for, so look forward to that. And, uh, yeah, hopefully Greg will be coming next year, um, and we'll do a goblin panel with, uh, me and Greg and Laura. Um, nice. Maybe cool. Kyle will be there. I don't know. Because, um, yeah, the game will be out then. So that'll be uh, a good time. Ooh, goblin. Better than whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like whiskey, but I like goblin. <laughs> I like whiskey, but I also like goblin. Goblin whiskey? I do not like goblin whiskey. <laughs> you, you enjoy them, but separately. <laughs> I'd try anything once. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah. Um, Kevin, any other thoughts? Not really. I think as that as long as life absolutely doesn't make it impossible, I always want to be back there. Uh, it should be on the record also that uh, I hope we do completely continue this tradition of the interesting stuff contest. That was an absolute blast. I'm so annoyed. I was going to go get the crustiest anime Daikorama or like wall scroll. But as I walked up, I was looking at what their stuff and all the crusty things they were putting into their grab bag. Uh, and I was just like, oh, this is dirty. You're evil. Why Why won't you let me get your crusty things? Oh, capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with capitalism failing this time. <laughs> <laughs> but it mean I didn't get to be part of the contest, so it failed me. Don't worry. Yeah, don't sorry. worry. You can play the punishment game with everyone else. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, until next year. Uh I don't know. Keep listening. Yep. Or don't. You know, I'm not your dad. Goblin.house. No, definitely go to do it. keep Back listening. Back my game. <laughs> Goblin.house. Goblin.house. <laughs> I'm just going to get a recording. shirt printed next year that just says Goblin.house on it with no context. <laughs> Has a QR a, code on the back that goes to Goblin. Of a goblin house. Just the words Goblin. If anyone asks a question, you silently uh, give them a thumbs up and walk away. <laughs> I'll hand out business cards just say brand coordinator. <laughs> don't have my name. Don't have any contact. <laughs> black text on white card. It's just, a solid, it's just a white card with large block black text that just says brand coordinator. Right, my brand. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Goblin at house. Good night, Internet. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.